Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Yeah, we had so much fun yesterday. I hope everybody caught our live show. We had an amazing time, especially with our new uh, new friend in Washington, D.C., uh, G. Van Fleet, who grew up under Mao's uh, cultural revolution. So she'll be back soon. In fact, we have a lot of ideas for her uh, to hopefully uh, see if we can uh, work together on all kinds of things for Action Radio, but more on that later. First, let's get to the lovely and talented Bill Fecky with the Fecky Report. On tonight, Action Radio presents the Fecky Report. Good morning, Action Radio Land in Gregulus. How was the Fourth of July? <laughs> Uh, it was pretty wild. I mean, uh, since I'm fairly close to downtown Milton, uh, I could hear the fireworks. Uh, and they were booming. It's like, whoa, this is exciting. So I go outside, and of course, the streets are filled with cars and all kinds of stuff, and it's just crowded and jammed. And uh, everybody's like staring and watching. They were loud. I don't know what they've done to enhance the sound, but uh, the ones with the happy faces are the, faces are the loudest. But uh, it was a pretty good display. But the biggest thing, of course, yesterday was the show. We had an amazing show. We did our annual uh, reading of the Declaration of Independence. Uh, we have some new guests. We had Jerome Bell, um, member, uh, a, a candidate for Congress, also like a 27-year Navy chief. Uh, we had some other folks join us. It was really fun. It was just a really good day. And, of course, our new uh, new friend of the show, G. Van Fleet, uh, who I saw on One American News about two weeks ago and just got in contact with on Facebook. And, and she was on yesterday and wants to come back uh, for a full hour to talk about uh, uh, communist uh, China under Mao and how we're you know, approaching the same thing here. She's got an article I'll be going over a little bit later. So I had a great fourth. What did you do? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> that's that's actually uh, we, not a bad uh, way, you know. No, it was yeah. it was awesome. We we spent the weekend up in Music City. Uh, found that where's, very where's, interesting. Um, where's that? I haven't been to Nashville. Oh, okay, fine. Well, we have we have listeners in yeah. Armenia. You know, they may not know all the all the local lingo, so we have to. Well, that, we must, okay, we that must def- define ourselves. So, yeah. So uh-huh. so the country music capital of the world, Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, mm-hmm. Went up there for the weekend. Um, yeah, I found, found it very interesting though. We did. We uh, there's a little park right out, right across the street from the Country Music Hall of Fame. I'm not a country mm-hmm. music fan, but um, what are you doing? We walked to the park. <laughs> Sorry. There's other, other things to do except for the Country Music Hall of Fame. <laughs> uh, oh, no, okay. but there, there's a they have a they have a Walk of Fame, kind of like similar to the uh, Hollywood Stars, and so we walked around this park and. It was really bizarre. Some of the names that are in on this Walk of Fame, you have huh. now. This is supposed to be country music, okay? Kid Rock. <laughs> That's because he owns a bar there. <laughs> Let's get real. Yeah, money exactly. Here. Well, it's true. He does. <laughs> um, you BB King. Um, huh. Now, yeah. Now Elvis. Elvis did a little country, mostly gospel, not so much country, but gospel. Um, but then you have Steve Cropper who was part of uh, Booker T and the MGs, and then later right. on the Blues Brothers. 
Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, it was just a, it was a weird variety. I mean, then you had names that you didn't see, like Tennessee Williams, I don't remember seeing. Uh, um, what's his face? Uh, Hank Williams Jr., I don't remember seeing. I saw Senior, but I don't remember seeing Junior. Tennessee Williams was a, um, was a poet and a reader and a playwright. And I think Hank Williams is the country music singer, but I could be wrong. Yeah, he is. No, Hank okay. Williams was, but Tennessee Williams, I'm pretty sure he had some music also that I mean, it might have been more uh, bluegrass than anything else, so maybe that's okay. why the difference. Yeah, look it up sometime. But, you know, but they have, yeah. So they have a Country Music Hall of Fame, then they have a Music mm-hmm. Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Um, Beethoven? Yeah, but then, yeah, I didn't go to either one. Gregorian um, Plain Chad? Not, <laughs> the greatest yeah, I, I, I just don't, <laughs> yeah, I just don't, I just don't get in, I don't deal with Hall of Fames very well. I think that they're all subjective, and especially after Dolly Parton got into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I really don't have any uh, inkling to go into <laughs> any of them. Did Did I ever tell you my uh, Radio Hall of Fame story? Long time ago, and I don't remember it. Oh, okay. So, for the, and of course, nobody in the audience knows because I don't think I've ever told the story on the air. Uh, oh, maybe a long time ago, and far, far away in, in a galaxy, you know, what we don't know about. Um, but uh, after we did our show, and after I was uh, fired from the the newly acquired WEBY. Um, I, it, we, I realized, you know, pretty quickly that we've made broadcast history by writing a bill on the air, getting it to a sitting member of Congress, that would be Matt Gates, having Matt Gates approve of that bill all within five days. And, of course, this has never been done. So I thought, you know what, they may have fired me, but maybe there's some resume material or something in here. Or maybe we should just note it for the record. So I contacted the Radio Hall of Fame. And uh, they, they were quite nice. And they said, okay, we'll take a look. And they studied it. And then they came back about two months later you know, after I sort of reminded them, hey, remember me? And they said, no. What you did was not significant and not worth noting. I'm like, you know, WTF? <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> so anyway, so you don't want to talk about politics and Hall of Fame. That, that's my story too. Because even though you, you can be groundbreaking and, and make history in both journalism and legislation, at the same time, doesn't mean you're going to get recognition for it. But I was, I was hoping it would help the show to be able to say Radio Hall of Fame recognize citizen legislature as part of a radio show. But uh, such was not to be yet. So maybe we just have to be a whole lot bigger. And, uh, you know, then we'll, then we'll get it. Or you, anyway, just need to find someone, you just need someone else to look at the letter. Yeah, that's true. Well, maybe, maybe I can talk to him again at some point. Yeah, well, I, I'll, I'll hold off on that because it's, right, it's still on the record. We've still got the podcast. You know, we've still got that from, uh, in fact, I, I, I play it every once in a while, uh, both the show where we wrote the bill. Uh, and that was the mandatory citizenship question on the census, and the response from Matt Gates. Actually, I, I replayed it when I had uh, when I did the Peter Navarro interview. Uh, so I got both of those on the same podcast. Uh, so it's kind of interesting. So it's there. Anybody wants to look? This is why I love doing podcasts. So everything we do is, is a, there's a recording of it. So if I if I totally screw up, it's on there too because I don't edit. Uh, nobody does. But uh, it's live radio, much more fun. Anyway, let's get into the news. Enough of the news. So uh, okay, so the um, I'm gonna I can't call him the founder. But the man that brought Chia Pet to national recognition has mm-hmm. died. Oh, no. Uh, in 91 years old, Joe, <laughs> say, Chia? Joe, Joe Padinko, I think his name was. Or Padinko? Something. Padinko. That's why, or, he didn't, uh, that's why they call him Chia Pets, Bill. I'll tell you right now. That's why they call him Chia Pets and not Padinkos. Because you can't put that into a commercial. Hey, kids, you want to buy a Padinko? Well, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. How about a Chia Pet? Oh, okay. That sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> so, but no, but but he, he he was at a trade. He was a marketing guy, and he was at a trade show, and he mm-hmm. saw someone who was trying to sell the chia pets. Of course, they were calling it something different at the time. Um, he thought it was a, he he thought it was a great idea. 
And so he went ahead and bought so the rights it. to this. <laughs> yeah, well, he no, he bought the rights to it. Okay. Uh, he did it all legally, bought the rights to it, and then brought it to national prominence. Uh-huh. I hope they negotiated so for he, a percentage of the profits because that's the only way to do it. If you get a flat fee, you're, you're out of luck. But if you can negotiate for a percent of the gross, you know, even a small percent, you're still going to make money for the rest of your life. So, you know, yeah, because they're still here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, can, can you imagine, though, being the one to, uh, you know, sign that contract, you get $50,000, you think you just stole money from someone, and next thing you know, this guy's making $50 million. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, yeah. Well, I've actually met an inventor um, out in uh, California, in the San Francisco Bay Area. I met the man who invented Skittles. And he's still making money off it. So he's working because he doesn't want to get bored. But, you know, you invent something like that, you're done. <laughs> you, know, you sit back and collect the money. So, yeah. I mean, he sold it, but I'm sure he sold it with a with a um, with a, with that kind of closet. I mean, I would. Someone wants to buy Action Radio and pay me, you know. Uh, nah, I'm not going to sell it. <laughs> this is too much fun. Maybe yeah, maybe in my ni- yeah. my 90s I might sell it, or uh, more than likely I'll pass it on to somebody. You think Brianna could have it? <laughs> She'd be great. Because I don't want to direct her so, whole life but, at this point. Still being a teenager, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so, but let's get to the main topic. In the Which main is? topic of today. Drum roll, please. For the, for the first time, the Secret Service is admitting there's cocaine in the White House. <laughs> let's, let's, let's give it a drum roll. <laughs> and now, Bill Fecky's announcement of the day. I can just the play Secret the drum Service roll. Has, <laughs> I didn't know I, I could just I do that. <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. So, but no, so, uh, so there was uh, some concern over the weekend. There was a white powdery substance that was found in the library Anthrax. Uh, of, of oh, the White no, House. Well, well, that's what they were concerned about. So they, uh, you know, quarantined the whole area. Secret Service obviously was there, um, and it turned Dead out dogs. that they ha- they have admitted that there was cocaine found in the White House library. Now, I will so say, yeah. Okay, so so this is the way that the story. Now, the New York Post posted it correctly. CNN okay. twisted it all around to try to say that. Uh, the Bidens fault. were out of town this weekend uh, in, in Camp David. <laughs> right. What they failed to say was Hunter Biden was at the White House on Friday. Yeah, he, he forgot his cocaine like he forgot his laptop. I mean, he, he has a history of doing that. I mean, there's already precedent for this. Exactly. But, but here's what's so hysterical. What's so hysterical and what's so obvious is that story made it into the press in the first place. So I have a theory. Yeah. My theory is that Obama has already ordered the, the mainstream news that he controls uh, through the Democrat Party to start reporting on Joe Biden uh, with the intention of convicting him of something uh, and giving him a plea deal to insulate him from uh, prosecution under Trump, which is exactly what they did with Hunter Biden. So this is this is a this is a part of a, of a plot. You'll see more things come out. Uh, the, ingest, the investigations for the Republicans will go very well for, against Joe Biden, but they won't go very well against the real involved, like Merrick Garland, the, the underlings. Uh, they'll still be protected because they want them for future use in the Trump administration, which, of course, Trump's going to get rid of. But that's my theory. And and you think that's been around for a long time? That's been a plan for a while or something? It seems to me I remember we were talking about that. Yes. Yeah, okay, yeah, tell yeah. Me. It, it's definitely – it's been around since the very beginning. Uh, Biden was installed into the Obama administration against Obama's wishes. Um, he never wanted uh, Biden vice to be president? part of it president uh they felt that he uh obama would be more likable with the establishment because everyone knows he is a radical so they felt that uh biden would be more part of the establishment would bring the establishment behind obama let's be honest Um, he's a white guy he was put there because he's a white guy let's be honest yeah most likely 
<laughs> even though it said, even well, though the white people had to vote for Obama to get over their their non-existent or their their stupid you know non-justifiable you know uh, white guilt, um, which I think is a major reason Obama got the first time. Second time, I have no idea, probably because Mitt Romney was so bad. But um, but yeah, there's there's something you know. Uh, it's like if you ever look at a news team, you have an old white guy and like a hot Asian or Hispanic chick, you know that uh, that does the news with them for obvious reasons. You know, they're trying to yeah. demographics. Yeah. Well, it's true, and and so you know, but like I said, I mean, Biden is just it's horrible for the Democrat Party. He mm-hmm. has been for quite some time. He should never have been installed as the resident in chief to begin with. Um, you know, they should. There's other candidates who would have been a whole lot better for the Democrat Party. Um, as far as a Republican goes, you couldn't have asked for yeah, a but better. They, but who could be as controlled? I mean, the whole point of, of putting Biden there was so that Obama could control him and have him say exactly what Obama wanted said, and Obama could do what he wanted without getting any of the blame for it, even though we know he's behind, you know, pulling all the strings. So, and a lot of people are saying this more well, and more. I think, there, I think just about anyone, anyone in that really? Democrat party would have, would have, you know, Buttigieg, uh, Kamala Harris, um, I mean, just about anyone who'd want to be president, you know, would be riding the coattails of Obama um, based upon Obama's popularity in the Democrat party. Um, there's no doubt. But then in my might, mind. Yeah, but I think I think Obama wants someone that wouldn't question him and wouldn't want their own power. So you look, you look at a Buttigieg, or I was thinking more like Elizabeth Warren or some of the other folks. They're they're going to want to be their own person, their own party, their own presidency, and they're only going to you know kowtow the line as long as as they need to before they can break free and identify themselves again under their own policies, which might be hardly different at all. But that's not the point. They still want their own identity. Brandon doesn't care. He has no identity. His only purpose is to make money and be corrupt. You know, I remember when I played that video. Uh, I posted a video of him from like 30 years ago where he says, I'm a, I'm a prostitute. I'll take money and I'll say anything. Yep. It's a pretty amazing video. And that was one of the, it's probably the only truthful thing he's ever said. But he said it so blatantly that what it really shows is that he doesn't care, that this is okay. He, his, in his world of moral um, degradation and debauchery, it's okay to take money and do whatever you want. Um, so for him, it's fine. I don't think he, and of course now with his mentally degraded state, uh, he thinks he's justified. He probably thinks he's a patriot. He's probably convinced himself this is the right thing to do for America, even though he's a total agent of China uh, and destroying our country. I don't think he's, he honestly doesn't see it that way. I think that's why he was picked. Well, no, I anyway. definitely agree that, you know, he, he's been a prostitute his whole life. He doesn't care. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, and honestly, I don't even know if he knows what, that he's president sometimes. Well, that's uh, interesting. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, it, it just seems that he sometimes he re, still refers himself as a senator. Uh, mm-hmm. He's referred to Kamala Harris as a president, um, or and that Kamala's his boss, um, which mm-hmm. you know, I think there is a lot of truth to that. Um, <laughs> you know, Kamala. <laughs> uh, no, she's, but, you know, no, just, no, no, no. It's Obama, Hillary, Susan Rice. It's the cabal. Oh, Hillary has nothing to do with this. I mean, Hillary might have some under, uh, you know. FBI, CIA, Ooh, um, but okay. as far as control of the uh, control of the presidency, Obama mm. and Clinton are well documented to hate each other. So I, I highly doubt that if you do have Ob- that they're conspiring together. There's no way they're conspiring together. Okay. Um, so I yeah, so I, I definitely don't see that. Uh, I mean, it's well documented that Clintons and Obama just do not like each other at all. Um, well, because they're both challenging so, for but, power. 
Um, so exactly. ideologically, they're pretty similar. But uh, well, I mean, why did why did Nazi Germany leftists attack? You know, Soviet Russia leftists. You had leftists on leftists. You know, so on the smaller scale, leftists don't like each other. So this is not surprising that the the usual way to power is to take out you know quote unquote the the opposition. And so well, uh, politically, that's how we do it here. Hopefully. Yeah, you, hmm? you want to take out your top competition, and the Clintons have been in power for so long, you know, going back to the 90s, Obama mm-hmm. saw that that was, that was the only way to, you know, to gain control is to take take out the Clintons. And yeah, which exactly he did twice. kind of what he did. Yeah, he yeah, kind of yeah, really did. He just kind of knocked them, um, you know, so, I mean, Hillary's basically became non-existent all of a sudden inside the Democrat Party, but you also have to look at, you know, the people that have that she has installed and her husband installed over the years and how many are remaining loyal to her. So, yeah, it, it's, it's an interesting, uh, you know, background uh, when you talk about the Democrat party and the, in the, and who's, in, who's truly in power. But I think we mm-hmm. all agree that Obama is the one in, in control right now. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Well, in radical, that case with the radicals, all right, so let's let's assume that, that Hillary is not playing a big part. I mean, I think she's given the Secretary of State position to, uh, you know, allow her to funnel money to the Clinton Foundation. That was her deal, so that was the payoff. And she got to do Uranium yeah. One and, and sell 20% of her uranium to Putin and not take the blame for being a, an agent of Russia, which, of course, she is, <laughs> you know, by doing that. Um, so it would be Obama, Susan Rice. Where is Valerie Jarrett? I always worry about people I don't hear about that have positions of power because you sort of wonder. And the Emmanuel Brothers. Yeah, Ram and uh, I think is Ezekiel the other one. Anyway, the ones that said never let Ram who said never let a crisis go to waste. Well, Ram really kind of burned himself when he decided to run for mayor, um, and he I mean basically he lost all credibility inside the Democrat Party with some of his uh, tactics that he uh, used. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't think he really had any – I think he finally realized that he was just a tool for the Obamas and that he really didn't have any kind of control whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think he's kind of gone into the sunset. Now, I'm not saying that he's not still trying to do stuff behind the scenes, yeah. uh, but because you haven't heard his name, um, I don't think that he's making any headway with that. Um, like I said, I mean, the, you know, my, my biggest concern is still Obama, and, you know, and I'm going to stick to it. I know you kind of disagree with me on this subject, but I still think that you'll see Michelle Obama's name uh, be brought up in a more prominent instead of just casual well, I've heard her name a lot of times. Yeah, I've heard her name a lot uh, as of times. It's, it's a good for, point. For running, oh, for, go for running for president, you know, to mm-hmm. run for president in place of Biden. Uh, you mm-hmm. hear the name mentioned from time to time. She goes on these, quote, unquote, book tours um <laughs> who wrote you know, just to, who's the ghostwriter yeah yeah exactly um but you know I, I think these book tours are just a way of campaigning and kind of getting a a feel of the water to see if there is any a movement behind her or not mm-hmm. um the good news is her last this last tour she did did not did really do very well hmm. so there might be some cooling off with her um, but it wouldn't take much for the media to hype up the Democrat Party to get them to vote for her again. Well, what was the last time of her book? How I Control My Husband How So He Can Control the Country? I mean, you know, or How I Control the Country by Controlling My Husband Who Controls the Country? That'd be a great book title for her. <laughs> yeah, that or The First tra- Transgender 
uh, first lady. That's actually that's. I know Josie's fond of broadcasting that theory, but I've I've uh, heard some some pretty reliable sources on media uh, who seem to make sense. I don't think that's the issue with her. I, th- I think that's a phony issue. I don't. Just think like so. there's there's a I, lot of phony is. issues. Yeah, no, there's a lot of phony issues out there. That's that's not it. What the danger with her is she's just an outright communist authoritarian. So the question is, what yep. would she run on, and can she lie as well as Barack? I don't know if she lies as well. You know, I mean, you look at anything she's done. You know, everybody hates her for the school lunch program. They hate her for a lot of other things. I mean, she's popular now because she's not running. But something seems to happen when people run. I mean, look how popular Trump was before he ran. You know, with certain people, and then he became more popular with us. You know, America First people, uh, because we recognized what he was doing. But you know, a lot. But I don't know what what would she run on. What what would be her big reason for running? What uh, what, what could she sell to the American people? See, I think the Obamas are toast at this point because everybody knows, you know, every Republican knows that they're the one pulling uh, Brandon strings, and they don't want any part of the Obama family anymore. Well, I mean, and, and that's a good point. It's like the independents. Uh, of course, you know, it, it's all about likability for the independents. And mm-hmm. will the independents pick another Obama after, you know, yeah, after seeing what has happened in the Biden uh, era? Um, you know, versus what happened during the Trump era. Yeah, a lot of people still have a bad taste in their mouth because of the way Trump talks and the way he acts. Yeah, but that's that's media narrative. You got to separate the, the Trump not, persona that not, was created no, for not him. So. Gr- Greg, I have knocked on I knock on doors for campaigns, and I talk to other Republicans, and there are a lot of Republicans out. Not a, I shouldn't say a lot, but there are Republicans out there right. who do not like Trump. Because of his mannerisms, because of the way he speaks, uh, some of um, the, some of his unnecessary attacks, um, you do well, I think have those Republicans stupid. out there. Yeah, yeah, but you got to look at the policies. You got to look at the actions. You look at the things that he did that nobody else could do. You know, he's fond of talking about his Mexican uh, border story, uh, where he got the twenty-eight thousand people for free by promising to put a twenty-five percent tariff on all Mexican goods coming to the country. So I don't care what he says or how stupid he is or how bad he is in debates. And he was terrible. His, I don't know how he won you know, in 2016 uh, if, if debating were the only criteria, but it was his policies and his personality. But, but you've got to look beyond that because everybody has something wrong. Nobody's perfect. I, as, as good as I am at talk radio, have my flaws, like talking too much and interrupting my guests. But, you know, I mean, I try. <laughs> I'm working on it. Well, no, I, it, like it, I said, Bill, about, no, sorry. Okay. But, but me and you, <laughs> yeah, me, yeah. me and you think totally different as far as what the common person thinks. The common person votes off of emotion. And mm-hmm. if they see someone there who is an ass, who is rude, mm-hmm. the likability won't be there. Now, when you're talking about a Trump versus Michelle Obama, I would say that Trump definitely has more likability than Michelle Obama does at this point. Um, mm-hmm. you know, but, you know, but when you look at you know, going back to popularity until you run for office, look at Ron DeSantis. The guy was the most popular man in America. And all of a sudden, he mm-hmm. announces he runs for president. Well, <laughs> now he's that barely part of the plot, 20%. though. That was part of the ego plot to get him to run so that he could uh, make Trump try and affect the Trump campaign. But you look at the um, – I mean, this is the pattern. Right? We've seen it all before You know, uh, with McCain. He's the only moderate that can, you know, can win. You know? And so all the Republican conservatives beat each other up and you know, sacrifice themselves. And then uh, John McCain gets the nomination. And then, of course, he loses because that was the plan. Then Mitt Romney 
he's the only moderate Republican out there. He's the only one that can win, right? Same thing happens. Conservatives beat themselves up. See, now it's, now it's the opposite. Now the moderates are beating themselves up and trying the Trump, but they're saying the one person that can't win is the only one that will because, but they're doing the opposite. But DeSantis, he should have known. He should, he studied, if he studied his political history at all, he would have known that they take some moderate schmuck, you know, they build them up, take him from a perfectly happy position like as governor. And he was really good as governor of Florida, except for the early dictatorship stuff in COVID. But he got over that and changed. So, okay. Second chance, doing really well. Got no problem with that. But we talked about this. Said, what's the dumbest thing DeSantis could do? And that's, you know, have his ego rule his logic and have him run for president, knowing full well that Trump's going to get the nomination. I said that was the most incredibly stupid thing. We both agreed on that. What does he do? He runs for president. Oh, my God. What an yep. idiot. <laughs> ego. Yeah, I, I know. Ego. But what I'm saying is when you talk, you know, okay, so you go back to likability, and uh-huh. that, and that's where Kyrie was going with this whole thing was the like it just was the most likable Republican in in America. Everyone Why? loved him. Mike. Why? Why my uncle, my uncle from my uncle from California loved him. He's like, man, Why? I want to move to Florida just to be under it. <laughs> it's because Why? of it's because of it's because of all the other governors and how crappy they are. Well, <laughs> that's true. But why DeSantis? What what was it that made him popular nationwide? So, with the inside the Republican Party, first of all, he was one of the first uh, states to reopen. Right. Uh, he, you know, he, he was one of the first to close too. <laughs> you know, yeah. The other well, yeah. 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 Well, it's true. But then you then you have also you know fighting. Um, a lot of the bills that they came uh, through office were, was his doing for fighting the wokeness inside schools. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. He fought Disney, which was I thought was really stupid to do uh, and very petty to do. Um, but he decided. Well, no, to fight Disney, Disney should not have a special district. I agree with him, but he should have made it a political issue. It, it should have been done through the legislature and done more quietly. But the thing is that Disney does not deserve their own special, you know, basically autonomous zone. And their own special tax-free zone is basically what it is. There's no reason for that. Disney's a big company. Well, no, I mean, talking about no, paying their fair Disney share. Yeah, but did, did, yeah, okay, okay. So you want to talk about fair share? Uh, uh-huh. So Disney um, basically was their own town. Yeah. Okay, right. they were their own town. Okay, mm-hmm. they paid their own police. They paid their own fire department. They paid for their own roads. Mm. Everything that your taxes would do, Disney mm-hmm. did. They paid for everything themselves. Okay. So, that's actually not a bad so deal. Now, okay. That's good. That's good it to wasn't know. a bad deal. So now, and, so, and then whenever they wanted construction, they would go ahead and construct. Um, you know, there was a uh, board um, that was, a, you know, uh, there is a board that would overlook Disney, uh, but basically it was a rubber stamp board, but still there is technically a board. Uh, but Disney right. had to go to the board. Uh, to say, hey, we want to build a new roller coaster, or we want to uh, build a new Animal Kingdom, whatever. Um, right. And the board would rubber stamp and say, okay. Um, we want to make but, Sentinel Land. We have, a, we have a new drug paradise here for the kids. I'm teasing. Yeah. But now that mm-hmm. that is gone, so the local – and now Disney's in two different counties. Hmm. Okay, this is, this is the other issue you have now. Disney's in two separate counties. So mm-hmm. you have – Two different county commissioners who are overlooking Disney. And anything Disney wants to do has to be approved by those or counties. Those paid counties for. get paid. You get bribe the commissioners. Yeah, those counties right? will be, yeah, those, yeah those, those counties now have to pay for the fire, pay for the police. 
pay for oh. all the roads to be done. Hmm. So that takes well, out of your county taxes. So in that respect, that's actually that makes more sense. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't like an idea of a of a company town. But if they're paying all the freight for it, then uh, and if the counties are happy, the counties around them or the counties they're in are happy with that, then that's probably you know something you leave below. It's like not not an ideal situation, but you know if they're covering the bills, then and the money's you know taxes don't have to be be paid. Well, that actually makes a lot of sense. And, 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 and that isn't that stuff. how America is supposed to be, anyways? You know where hmm. people inside their own town take care of their own business. <laughs> well. <laughs> Yes and no, because a company town, the, the the old definition, you know, back in the late 18, early 1900s, these places were horrible. Uh, let's be real controversial. They're worse than slavery because slaves never had a debt. Well, they didn't owe their slave owners money, you know, um, whereas if you're in a company town, you did because you were paid less than the cost of living. So the company would pay you in script, which could only be uh, redeemed at the company store. You know, you load 16 tons and what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. You know, uh, so that's famous. Song. Yeah, but you're also, but yeah, but you're also living for free. Um, Where? Yeah, so you got to take that and consider. Yeah, uh, in those company towns back in the 1800s, uh, they, they don't live for free. Company housing. No, you had to pay for yeah, it. Yeah, they had comp- you, you pay for it out of your wages. Not, not, but the wages all were less than the rent and well, the cost of food. That's how they kept people there. Yeah. Well, you gotta you gotta analyze company towns. Yeah, but they're they're disgusting. Yeah. Anyway, um, we got a couple minutes before Wendy gets here. So any other. Earth-shattering, breaking news. Yeah, no. So really, that—that's all I have for today. I'm going to go uh-huh. earn my dollar, and uh, we will talk more next week. Well, she's not here yet. You got another minute if you want to use it up. I got Your about turn. thirty seconds. Live I, radio. I really don't have any. I have. No, okay. I have nothing else. So okay. <laughs> we're good. Make a list for next week. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I plan to talk about. We got all the Supreme Court cases. We've got uh, all the things that are happening. The latest scandal. The latest judge's report. You know, basically slamming uh, illegal Brandon, saying he can't illegally communicate with uh, high tech to censor uh, uh, or big tech to censor us. You know, folks out here like I don't know, Action Radio. <laughs> so that's a big one too. Uh, well, a lot of things. Well, I got, I got something better uh, lined up for next week. It's gonna be a long conversation um, about mm-hmm. um, the migration of the of the current uh, environment employment. Um, talking about quite quitting as far as not only on the employee side, but also on the employer side, which is now instead of calling quite quitting, it's calling quite firing. Um, that's going to be kind of an interesting conversation to have for next week. Yeah, I've never heard of it, so that sounds good. Let's let's do that. And uh, in the meantime, I'll just kind of vamp until Wendy gets here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, like I said, i got to go over my dollar for today, so uh, okay. I will talk to you guys next week. Sounds good. Thanks, Bill. All right. Anyway, I forgot to have him give a shameless plug for uh, uh, for his company, but we'll get to that next week. Anyway, so yes, like I said, I'm just waiting for Wendy. Now, Wendy was on yesterday, so uh, I'm just checking my, my communications. She has not communicated with me um, at this point, so I can play something or I can just uh, kind of say, well, let me see if I can tell you what's going on. There's been so much um, that has happened. In fact, I'm waiting for, for me too to check in as well for the 8 o'clock hour. Bonnie Nesbitt with News and Sarcasm. Uh, we're still looking for a title for her report. So, so again, but it's the day after holiday, so people are kind of like, oh, gee, you know, what's going on? You know, struggling to get up, watching fireworks late. I think the day after a holiday should be a holiday because you need a day to recover from your day. So all those folks that are out partying, that are out doing things, that are exhausted, they're all sunburnt, you know, they're watching the fireworks, and uh, why would you have to go to work the next day? Uh, that doesn't make sense to me. So, uh, or, or you designate July 4th on a Friday. <laughs> So you have the whole weekend. Yeah, we're selling July 4th on whatever the closest Friday is to July 4th. I would understand that. I, I, you know, there's no, there are very few days that are actually on the day, uh, at least with Thanksgiving. 
um, you get a chance to, if you have Friday off, most people take Friday off, so it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, uh, maybe Monday too, depending on the company and the union contract. But um, there was a meme that is kind of funny, actually. There was a meme on recently uh, talking about um, the various holidays. On May, what is it? On May 5th, we're all, uh, we're all Mexican, you know, Cinco de Mayo. On March 17th, we're all Irish, you know, for St. Patrick's Day. And I said, and I made this comment, Nobody, only one person picked up on it. I said, on the third Thursday um, of November, I said, we're all Turkish. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's Thanksgiving, right? Thanksgiving turkey. And nobody picked up on that. I thought I was terribly clever. So I'm amusing myself more than, uh, more than I would expect. So that's, what, that's what's happening. All right. So I'm wondering, let me just check my stuff. Um, oh, there she is. And see, there you go. I check my communications to see, to see if Wendy's going to be here. And then Wendy shows up. That's kind of how it works around here. All right. Let me get to, uh, let me move my, my screen a bit so I can play her theme, which is way at the bottom of my, my long list of audio clips. And be right back. Here we go. Do you really want the truth? Do you have questions you can't ask in church? Welcome to the Oh My God Report. Wendy Arthur is more concerned with truth than propaganda, putting more value in scripture than religion, and more about you and your relationship with God than your membership in any church. This is Christianity with a Kick. Oh, wait, hold on, Wendy. <laughs> yes, God. Tell Wendy your, my idea. Yeah, I, I was going to get to that. Jeez. Oh, sorry, wrong thing to say. Sorry, God. Okay, I'll get right to it. <sighs> God put an idea into my head. And so yesterday, remember our yeah. guest, G. Van Fleet? Okay, so grew up under Mao's uh, Cultural Revolution, Communist China. Uh, she was great. We got an article I posted by her, and we only started communicating like uh, maybe a week, week and a half ago. And she's already on our show for our very special uh, July 4th reading of the Declaration of Independence yesterday, which you kicked off. Nice job, too. Um, anyway, so, so this, this idea pops into my head. Uh, she's in Washington, D.C., so I haven't even approached her with this. I, probably should, I don't know if I should say this on the air. Well, I don't think it's a big deal. Um, wouldn't she make a great <laughs> lobbyist for Action yes, Radio? Yes, yeah. Yes, so that's what, that's what uh, this this uh, God puts this idea in my head. God puts ideas in my head all the time, folks. I mean, it's it's a you know talk about your head exploding. <laughs> this happens like on a on a constant basis. You know, twenty four seven. Even when I'm asleep, ideas I'm sure are popping into my head. So that was the latest one that uh, I should ask her about being a lobbyist uh, for Action Radio in Washington D.C. and then do a weekly report. So she would just call in for maybe half an hour, fifteen minutes, whatever, uh, and do a legislative report. But can you see her? Walking up in the various offices of Congress, I grew up on the communism. I know what it's like. <laughs> you people need this bill. I mean, she'd be fabulous I, as, as a lobbyist, as the first person to do lobby really for would. a radio station. And, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I'm really glad that you brought her up this morning because, um, mm-hmm. I, I, unbeknownst to her, I, I'm going to be um, using her as an example this morning. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, well, how about that? See what happens. You, gotta, you, you know, you, you appear know? in the action radio sphere of influence, and all of a sudden, you know, you're our latest superstar, and we go on from there. <laughs> she, um, she really has truly an amazing testimony. Um, and I had posted uh, a little picture of of a sandwich board on a sidewalk uh, this week, and a lot of people have really uh, reacted to it, and. Um, all positive because there's been a lot of people suffering for a long time. Mm-hmm. And the sandwich board said, 
one day you will tell your, of how you've overcome what you're going through now, and it will become part of someone else's survival guide. Yeah, I think I commented and, on that one. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Xi um, is just just one of those people. She survived that horrific experience and, mm-hmm. and watched her people suffer um, and herself and her family. And she's now over here and just and can tell you from personal experience um, what communism um, has done to her entire country mm-hmm. and as well as the effects that it had on her and her family and people that she loves. And, um, but you don't have to grow up under communism to have a story to tell. And that she has overcome what was, you know, by the grace of God. I mean, thank you that he made a way for her to get out of that. Um, yeah, so I want to find out how so I know the details. And I want to ask her to let her tell that story. But uh, how did she come to the United yeah. States? It would be, would be fascinating. Yes. And so your question is always, well, is, is there a, a scriptural reference for that? <laughs> well, that, I mean, so, you're the only one yeah. I ask that of, I mean, because that, that's your specialty. Well, and so I wanted to tell people, because, you know, you may not be under um, – Depression, um yet in this country, uh, but um, yeah. they're, they're, they're trying hard. We are. Hard. Um, <laughs> we are under all yeah. kinds of oppression, but it's not it's not physically. But I'm we are threatened here, but we are uh, censored, blocked, uh, all kinds of stuff. It's it's amazing what uh, yes. under normal circumstances we would probably have. I would say a multi million listenership worldwide under normal circumstances, especially if I've been allowed uh, to Correct. continue at WBY with internet and everything else was happening. Because what we do, nobody else does. Well, it, it's, 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 you know that you're doing the right thing if you are being met with incredible opposition when everybody else who is, you know, um, on, on the wrong train, you know, going smoothly down the rails. You know what I mean? Oh. Um, so j- just hold on. No, I'm hanging on. I'm in for the, the duration. I, I get the round trip ticket. Yeah, yeah I'm, well, I'm here. <laughs> well, well I'm, I'm, I'm telling people all around the world because we have a worldwide listenership. And I want to encourage you, wherever you are, whatever kind of oppression that you are battling where you are, whatever kind of um, opposition, like, and I'm not, I don't mean like, you know, somebody says, well, I don't like your idea. That, that's not opposition, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, talk, I'm talking opposition where they try to take you out or derail you um, or keep you contained or silent. That's that kind of opposition and oppression, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Jesus knows a little bit about that. So just, oh, yeah. yeah. I've I seen the J6 folks you know? uh, in particular. The J- the J- yes. Um, so I want to give some scriptures that talks about um, trials and tribulations and the persecutions and what's the purpose of it all. Because suffering to suffer is, is useless. What does it produce? What is the end result and outcome of what you're suffering and going through? So there's got to be a reason for it, right? So um, that's what you need to look at because that very thing um, is what God is going to use later because just like G overcame all all of this and she's telling people, look, you better appreciate what you have here. You better not let 
you know, um, the the socialism and the communism take over because it's it's not what they say it is. It's, it's you know they'll promise you roses and, and you'll end up in a cesspool. So you know, listen. There there's a reason for it all. So um, let's let's get to some scriptures. So uh, James, a, a very small tiny book, but so power packed. Uh, chapter one, verses two to four. Two through four, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Perfect means mature. It doesn't mean perfect, as, as, you know, because this is one of those words where King Jamie um, did not transcribe it correctly. If you go back to the Greek and the Hebrew, which you know I'm all about, it means mature. It has come to its full fruition through the process. So when you're going through trials, it, it is a process to bring about something good in you. Um, and in this particular case where James is talking about it and it talks about it produces patience. If you can patiently endure stuff, um, then you are able to get to the other side. If you can't wait until the other side comes and, and the breakthrough comes, you're just going to fall apart and then remain a mess. So that's you need the patience of the spirit to get you through some of these trials because some of them are just harder than you can stand you know, normally and in, in humanly speaking. So you've got to have the Holy Spirit helping you. Um, First Peter, chapter four, again, a small book, but very powerful. Um, he also mentions that. Um, in verses 12 through 14, it says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. So I don't know if this is still going out, if the report's um, not going out. But we shall see. But since I can't hear you talking, I'm assuming this is... The signal right, is interrupted. Can you hear me now? Oh, can you hear me now? oh, now I can hear you. Okay, so the signal was interrupted, and uh, it was just—it was only for a brief second. It happens sometimes. So let me unplug my microphone and go off my cell phone here. So this, this is the backup plan here, and so it works actually pretty well. Uh, am I still on? Just to make sure. Yep, I Hello? can hear you. Okay, good. All right. So let's. Yeah. Uh, can you hear me? Such a great point. <laughs> I don't mean to interrupt it. I just have to redo some. I gotta, you know, put my my book stack. I gotta move the microphone over. <laughs> do a little bit of rearranging here, um, <laughs> so you can hear me properly. Well, I just be on the cell phone, which fortunately I charged yesterday, so we're all set there. Yeah, this is a block talk thing, and because they don't have um, uh, digital meters for me, I never know when this is happening, and so I can't, you know, I kind of have to guess and sort of wait till you're finished. But you're on such a roll um, that I didn't. Uh, I, thought, well, I guess maybe she's on a roll and not hearing. Oh, that's okay. Anyway, so back to mature. And the fact that these, these well, things I'm, get messed up. <laughs> yes. Get back to that. <laughs> well, it's one of those trials that we, that we go through in our learning process. Well, did, um, didn't we just mention? So I'm not sure. Did we just mention off, oppression so. <laughs> by by government, Wendy? Do what? 
Don't you find it interesting that as soon as we mention oppression by government censors, the signal gets cut? Coincidence? Yes, I thought that was. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like a little exclamation point to the story. <laughs> mm-hmm. So to the FBI, KGB, and big tech who are listening in, still colluding despite the judge's ruling, uh, we, we're on to you. But uh, if, you were, if you're a real man, you'd call the show like normal people, 215-383-3832, and we talk about it. But you don't do that. You just cut my signal because that's going to affect me. No, I've got a cell phone. So there. We're still here. Back to you, Wendy. All right. I'm being very mature. Uh, (laughs) Yes, we are mature. Okay. I'm not sure at what point it it cut off. So you're going to have to kind of fill me in there. Um, No, it cut off right uh, very soon after you started uh, getting really eloquent. And I hate to have interrupted you because it's really good stuff you're saying. But uh, we'll get back to it. Anyway. Okay. Take two. Well, yeah. I, were we still in James? <laughs> We're talking about pages. Which, well, you, you said King Jamie, <laughs> which I thought was hysterical. You know, I mean, that's the that ridicule. That's one of the ways to get over a, a mass psychosis is to ridicule the leader. That's what Václav Havel did uh, in Czechoslovakia with his poetry and everything else. You know, he made fun uh, of the, the communist leaders. I'm not afraid of you people. You know, that's what I don't know if uh, she's got oh, okay. that. I haven't read all her stuff yet. But uh, ridicule is incredibly powerful. So, okay, so we, we were at, at King Jamie. Um, so in, in, for those of you who don't know, um, that is uh, the King James Version of the Bible that I refer to because it, uh, unless you go back to the Greek and the Hebrew, you will never really truly understand what God is saying if you're reading King James. And I know that there are, are millions of people worldwide who will now fry me because of that statement. Um, because they think that the authorized King James Version is like the, the only version of the Bible that God ever spoke. Um, okay. <laughs> well, think about I, the irony of this, to too. What, if, if, if God says, thou shalt have you know, no kings before me, how can the King James Version be the authoritative uh, word of God? Just a thought. Well, he doesn't, say, he doesn't say there shall be no kings before him. He says there shall be no other gods before him. Oh, okay. Good. Well, I'm glad we got that corrected. But kings think of themselves as gods yeah. anyway. That's part of the problem. But uh, why would you, <laughs> yeah, why would you use a – There were actually some, what's that? some really good kings. Yeah. Said there were some really good kings, but, yeah, a lot of them thought that they were gods. And in and, and, and yeah. Greek um, you know, history, you know, they did consider them a god. So, But, you know, it, that's always small g people. You know, there's only one g god, mm-hmm. you know, one big g god, and that's, that's god. Yeah. So <laughs> Let's call him Big G. He's probably going to call us again. We start calling him Big G. He's going to. He's, we're going to hear another call. <sighs> anyway. Yeah, well, I, 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 I'd be a little more reverent than that, but okay. But we know who we're talking about <laughs> if we reference that. Well, we've but got, anyway, we've, we've so got what King, I was trying to ex, ex, explain is that. Big G. Right. Yeah. Um, the word perfect does not mean perfect as we think it means. Um, that was just a, a King James you know, translation into English. Um, and what that means in the Greek and the Hebrew is, is being mature, um, being um, fully at its, its maturation process. And it, it has gone through the process to be mature. That's what perfect means. You know, perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Um, it right. means that all the things that you went through brought about something in you. It brought about maturity and patience because if you cannot endure with patience, godly patience, by the way, not just, you know, human patience because that worked out, you know, in about two seconds. <laughs> um, but godly <laughs> patience helps you to endure to the breakthrough because if you can't get to the breakthrough, you're going to remain stuck and broken and, and of, of no use. So um, what 
it's really important to be able to have the patience of God to get through to your breakthrough point because at the breakthrough is where the healing comes, okay? You, you, go, you endure so much through the process that you just feel like you just you can't make it. You just can't get there. But God gives you that ability to do that. He and supernaturally enables you to get to the breakthrough, and then the healing comes. And then once you are in that place of healing, um, you can help others. Because broken people can't help broken people. So all you do is commiserate. That helps nobody. You've got to get to the point of breakthrough. So First Peter, another small book, but really good. Um, in case you think that you're the only one suffering what you're suffering right now, this is for you. First Peter 4.12. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may, may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. That, that means that if, if you are, you haven't done anything wrong. In fact, mm-hmm. you're doing things that are right. And the persecution comes. It, that happened to Jesus too. So he's saying this is, this is not anything new. If you are trying to do what's right and, and godly and righteous, and you are being persecuted for it and shut down and oppressed and maligned and slandered and all these things um, or censored, then it, glorify God in that. You know, keep going. Keep doing what's right. That's how you glorify God in that, in that trial. And even though it's hard and it's discouraging and, and you know, puts marks on your soul, God's going to heal those, okay? So just keep pressing through to the breakthrough. And so in the book of Romans. Well, I got, like I got a thought for you. Um, something I've always been wondering um, is okay. that because the struggle, you look at all, and I sort of look at all the models of people from Colonel Sanders, you know, to anybody that started something, and the, you know, the Wozniak jobs, you know, computer guys in their garage and the Wright brothers, anybody that's had to, to embed it or done something great, there wasn't always a struggle. And I wonder if, if somehow God wants you to almost like prove that you're serious. That um, that you're really committed to this, and then a lot of times these challenges, because to me it's normal. I would have been very surprised if I hadn't had all the uh, um, objectives or all the blockings and all the things that have happened. Um, but I think in a certain measure, you really have to kind of show that you, you, you mean business. Uh, otherwise, you're not really committed to it. And if you can survive the adversity and just keep going, especially if you're convinced that what you're doing is right, and and uh, you know that that you're able to have the strength to carry on, God gives you the strength uh, once. He thinks you're serious too, uh, to you know accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. I don't know if that's in scripture or not, but that's just the feeling I've always had, and I don't, I have nothing to base it on. It just, it's just, it's just there. Yes, um, that that's scriptural because it's not that God doesn't know; he he needs us to know. So okay. when we go through a, a trial and a tribulation and opposition and persecution and all that kind of stuff. Most people, this is sad to say, most people will turn away and they'll fall to the side. Those who are truly committed um, and saying, I don't understand this, I don't get it, I feel like I'm, I'm lost and abandoned, 
Um, I know according to scripture, he never leaves us or forsakes us. So I know it's just a feeling I'm having. The truth is what he learned. The truth is he is here with me through it all, even though I feel like I am walking this path alone. And it sucks. And I hate it. But I'm going to keep pressing forward because I know that God is not a liar. And he said he would be with me. He said he would get me to the other side. So I'm going Uh to keep pressing on with this. Um, But it's for you to decide because I tell you what, in in these last five years where Mike and I have been dealing with the effects of a a massive brain bleed and stroke, you know, leaving him paralyzed, it is – there are days, man (laughs) – I, I never, ever talk about it, you know, but there are days when we are just so discouraged um, that it's it's hard to, to, to look past of what you're, you're feeling that day and, and uh-huh. the physical effects and the mental effects and all these things and, and the emotional effects. It, but our spiritual effect is, no, I'm not looking at this. I'm looking at the truth of the scriptures because God is not a liar, and he is going to raise Micah up out of this chair. And yeah. we don't understand the delay in that because, uh-huh. you know, when Jesus healed somebody, it was like right then. He didn't say, oh, come back next next week after I talk to Luke, the physician. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, but Jesus healed right then, that. but how long did it take Jesus to get there? You know, so how long were these people exactly. suffering? So there you don't you know go. that. Yeah. That's well, exactly this, this, right. There, there's two struggles, too, There's uh, like in my own life. Uh, there's a struggle with Action Radio, which I, I knew was going to cost me everything, bankrupt me, you know, test me. Uh, I knew that no one was going to believe it at first. I knew all these things. So everything that's happening is, is right. completely um, predictable, and I knew it was going to happen. And I also knew God had my back, and it's going to be okay. So as poor as I've been, that's as, right. as many times as my car has broken down, of all the stupid things that have happened, you know, from being fired to the censorship of, from COVID and everything else, it's like, it doesn't matter because I'm going to be okay. I've never been out. I've never had not enough. I've, I've had just enough, but I've never had nothing. And so that's the test. Right. This is that. But the other test that I had, the, the thing that makes this all possible is the fact that I was completely depressed for two years. And, and it was like, nothing has worked. All my plans have been shot. You know, why did all these stupid things happen? Why did these amazing set of circumstances come together at the exactly the, the, the wrong time in my life when I was the most vulnerable to put me in a position where I feel like I've lost everything? And you know, I, I was, you know, I never, I never wanted to do anything to myself to hurt myself, but I, but I really didn't care much about life for, for a while. And so it just, I was kind of struggling along. And then I found, you know, believe it or not, Facebook groups and some amazing people to talk to. And I realized how many other people were in this exact same position, you know, with the narcissist family, with the, the lack of, you know, what, what normal or even average families get, uh, that kind of start and plus everything else that happened. And so once you go through that though, and you come out the other side, that takes, it took me two years. No medication, no, you know, no massive therapy, therapy because the, the counselors I talked to were idiots for the most part. Um, but uh, found some really great other folks to talk to who had been through it, and they helped me, and then I tried to help other folks, you know, on their way. And so you kind of pass it down. Uh, this is why we need to do a show on this. But there are millions of people out there uh, that are still being medicated, that need to get off it, that need to face the challenge. I mean, depression is there. It's kind of like your body's way and God's way of telling you, stop. You ain't going any further until you get this, this stuff resolved, whatever your stuff is. And once it is resolved, right. the freedom, the freedom that's on the other side of depression, I can't describe. I mean, everything's been yeah. listed for me. This is what made me fearless. 
because you get through this and well, you know, you sort of say, okay, what else? Short of death and, and uh, fatal disease or injury, uh, what else can they do to you? <laughs> you know, what else can the world do to you? Right. Uh, what you know, can society do to you? You know, what else can uh, your own emotions do to you? And then you get through that. And that's the kind of struggle we got to, at some point we need to talk about this in detail and get other folks on who really know how this process works, you know, scientifically and also, uh, you know, from scripture because they're all kind of tied together. And so that's my story. But without the depression, there'd be no action radio. There would, because I'd still be fearful. I'd still be doubting. I'd still be, uh, you know, in a place before the depression. But once you go into that dark because case. Because you overcame it. Yes. You yeah, overcame. Exactly. And the breakthrough yeah. is what you have to have. And it's just like Absolutely. you said, so that somebody else who's gone through it before you helped you. Now you can help others. And if uh-huh. that's what this is about. Because And, and I'm going to go um, back to Romans, because you mentioned um, the freedom on the other side. Um, uh-huh. So I'm going to read Romans 5, 1 through 5. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given to us. You have hope. You, nothing is going to discourage you because you know the hope you have um, and the breakthrough you've had, the freedom you have now because you persevered. And all of these were produced in you by the tribulation of depression that you went through. And, and yeah, you decided not, not to take drugs to, to just you know, take away symptoms. You actually dealt with the problem. And that's the way to do it, people. But, you know, and, and God is there to help you through this. And I want everyone to know that even though it's producing all these things, and it's not fun. It is not fun to go through these things. Oh, but, it was hell. Not literal hell, but it was, it was hell. And it's, I describe it yeah. as, as being neck deep in molasses. You can't yeah. physically move. Everything is a right. struggle. You know, you don't have the energy to eat. I lost like 30 pounds, and I didn't have 30 pounds to lose in those days. You know, I was in pretty good shape. Right. But you do anyway. You know, it's like, oh, this is interesting. You know, more belt loops, you know. And so yeah. I mean, they're, they're real physical manifestations. But I never, I never knew I wasn't going to get through it. I just was wondering when. <laughs> I'm still depressed. Oh, I've got to go through another day of this nonsense. And, yeah, it's, just, it's, it's, it's really awful. But the freedom on the other side cannot be described until you've been through the process. Yes. And, and just know, you know when, when God tells you, uh, it, it, and we know all things work together for good, to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Yeah, that's Romans uh-huh. 8, 28, by the way, um, a, a staple yep. in Christianity. <laughs> um, know that that's true. It, it One of the works top out for your life. good. Yeah. <laughs> All the stuff that Greg went through, people, okay, um, it has now produced action radio. Yep. Uh, he overcame, and, and, and God gave him this idea on a bike ride one day, and he just went with it, and he is able to do this uh, because God is going to work it out for, for, for good. He worked it out for good for Greg, even though there's still opposition in, in ways he never thought was going to you know, be possible at this point in, in time in our history. But I, oh. if you are going through something, God is there to make it work out for you. But, it, but that promises to those who love God. It's not for everybody. 
you know, a lot of people are going to go through things and they're going to be bitter and blame God and walk away and they will never see it work out for their good. They're just going to keep going through all this crud and crap um, and, and then die in the bitterness of it, you know, um, and, until they actually physically die. Um, but no, hang on to God in all of this. Jesus is there to give you access to God, period, end of story. I mean, if, if you need help, call on the one who created you, and he's going to make sure you get to the other side, um, just like Greg did, just like a lot of us, and, and you did. And I, I really am looking forward to talking to her more and, and having her on the show more uh, and learning more about her story. But so, and everything that you go through is so that you can turn around and help somebody else who's going to be going through the same thing. Nobody is going through a brand new problem. Nobody. Yep. Everybody is, there's nothing new under the sun. It says in Ecclesiastes, we have, we're all facing the same trials and tribulations of, of, in one way or another. So what you're going through is so that you can help somebody coming behind you. So yeah, I hope that encourages somebody you know, today. Uh, and, and, and don't hurt yourself and don't kill yourself. I mean, I mean this seriously, uh, because Please. you get to write the check, not the ending. <laughs> so you know, ending's already predetermined. Uh, so while you're here, yeah, keep writing d- the check. Don't, yeah, don't put a period yeah. where God's putting a comma. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I wonder sometimes if um, if the struggle. Uh, I mean, it's, it's hard for a reason, you know, because you don't want to do it again, and I don't have to. Um, but there's something, you know, and if you medicate and you distract and, and you, you just do all these other different things uh, or for whatever reason, whatever the addiction is that, that you that are you using to postpone it, you have to go through the process. And it's not easy, but it's not supposed to be easy because you, know, you have, you have no, serious things that you solve. If you've ever raised chickens, I, I know that that's like, well, that's you know, most of the <laughs> But if you've ever had a, 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 or watched a baby chicken being hatched, the mama does not help that chick come out of that shell. She knows if she helps that chick come out of that shell, it will die because it will not be strong enough. It has to, to work up um, the strength, and even though it's exhausted, when it finally pecks through the shell and, and is able to push it out and is able to come out in, into its new life, um, if if you don't allow it to struggle, to build up the muscles, to build up the the stamina, to build up the lungs, and all that kind of stuff, that chick will die. So, it, it everybody's struggle is for a purpose, and mm-hmm. it will make you start. Right now, you think it's it's killing you, you know, that you just can't possibly survive, but you can. We're here to tell you you can get through this, and God is there to help you do that. Um, but everything that, that this years. struggle that you're going through is going to make you stronger. Yeah, but have faith. Um, Bonnie's yes. here, Bonnie Nez, with news and sarcasm. Um, do you want to get in this conversation, Bonnie? Yeah, sure, I'm on sure I'd love to. Cause, hey, cause, Wendy. Uh, I'll tell you the story in a minute, but, yeah, go ahead, Bonnie. No, where do you want me to come in at as far as what the struggle oh, does okay. to make well, no, you stronger? Just, I'm all. Let, <laughs> let me tell you the story real quickly, what happened. So uh, as soon as okay. we talked about um, oppression and being censored and, and uh, you know, big tech, um, you know, keeping the show as small as it possibly can be, my signal was cut. <laughs> so the mic all of a sudden was dead. <laughs> I, I heard myself to my computer speakers. I'm like, well, that's interesting. Good timing there, FBI. That KGB. is. And so then we just came back home and joking. <laughs> We've been talking about that a little bit uh, ever since. But anyway, yeah, uh, I don't know if you've had a struggle you can say or not. I mean, we talked about some of the stuff um, before, but it's, it's just like people don't understand going into the struggle. That's why they medicate. 
they think the medication will get them through. It won't because the struggle is going to still be there after you've medicated. You haven't solved anything. Absolutely. You haven't solved anything. It's still Absolutely. There. Anyway, yeah, what do you think? No, I, I totally agree with that, and I have the same sentimentality for anyone who has been through anything, whether it's drugs, whether it's alcohol, whether it's another source of addiction. The problem does not go away by masking it. I am a strong proponent of dealing with the core of the issue first and making sure that there's no underlying cause, and there always is. All of us have gone through struggles in this life, and it doesn't matter if it's a childhood trauma or an adult trauma. Until you deal with it, you're not going to make any progress <laughs> forward. I mean, that's just life. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Let's get um, uh, Wendy's contact information just in case, because I know you're going to have to leave probably sometime soon. But, of course, as always, you're welcome yeah. to stick around. Wendy, go ahead. Um, if anybody would like to contact me, um, you can get a hold of me on Facebook uh, at Wendy Arthur or Art by Wendy Arthur or Dimensions Ministries. And I bless Bonnie and your report, and I'm looking forward to listening in. Um, and I just, I thank you, Greg, for Action Radio and for providing this platform for so many people and for all the places that it's going boldly where no Action Radio has ever gone before. So um, exactly. if anybody yeah, else. We, we can make a series <laughs> on that. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Well, you've been here I'm hearing from the, stand. the longest person. I think Bill's the one who's been here the longest. I think you're probably number two uh, as far as, uh, you know, sticking around here and, and, and making this whole thing work. I think so, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, so I'm going to, uh, I'll sign off and let Bonnie ha- have her, her segment here. And, but uh-huh. as, as always folks, bow now, avoid the rush. Absolutely. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Got to get that in. Yeah. Well, actually, well, everybody has their own little taglines and, and, you know, titles and things. I've got you down as, as news and sarcasm, but uh, we can certainly pick a new title uh-huh. for you. But things have – well, Wendy was here yesterday, too. So yesterday we had this unbelievable day. So, in fact, mm-hmm. you should get on this next week. Um, but so we have our, our annual uh, live reading of the Declaration of Independence. And we had mm-hmm. uh, our regular reporters. We had Wendy. We had Brianna. Uh, Brianna Cannon, who does the government inquiry report on Tuesdays. She's still a teenager. I mean, she's amazing. Right. Um, we had uh, Jerome Bell, who ran for Congress. Uh, he's been a 27-year Navy uh, officer, and uh, he was just amazing, too. And then we had somebody new we've never had before. Wendy and I were talking about her a little earlier, uh, Jeeve Van Fleet, who grew up under Mao's Cultural Revolution uh, as a child and yes. escaped. Um, from from China, and she was on the show yesterday. She'll be back soon, probably next week or the week after. Um, but I had an idea that uh, God popped into my head yesterday, um, soon after the show. Show that I'm gonna I'm gonna ask her this off the air, obviously, but uh, maybe on the air when she's on. Uh, she'd be one hell of a lobbyist for us in Washington D.C. presenting our citizen legislation oh, directly to Congress. So that's my I agree. Idea. Yeah. Did you? Yeah, hear her story is incredible. I read. I did not hear. I had a very, very busy day. We had a lot of friends over for a 4th of July get together and I was kind of chaotically running to get some things handled for my brother. So I did not get to listen right. to the show, but I did read the article that she posted and it was fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why we podcast because, you know, and that's why we probably don't have as many listeners uh, on the holidays because people are so accustomed to broadcasters taking the day off. I love broadcasting right. on holidays, frankly. Um, we do Memorial Day. We read uh, the, the poetry of, of soldiers written in combat. 
you know, sometimes from ancient history, sometimes from just the wars Americans were involved with. Um, Martin Luther King Day, I always read the I Have a Dream speech. Uh, Labor Day, we go into labor history, things that people don't know about, like how the eight-hour day came about from unions and how many people died, bringing about benefits that people take for granted now, like overtime, contracts, worker safety, things like that. Um, So every holiday, except Thanksgiving and Christmas, those are the only two that uh, that don't broadcast because nobody's listening then, (laughs) you know, not for several days. Exactly. So I kind of like to take a little time off. Yeah. Um, but, but But the holidays are really meaningful. Uh, Veterans Day, same yes, thing. We, we, do, we do specials for Veterans Day also. Um, but Fourth uh, of July is a regular, very special event. It was my sixth time reading the, oh, probably seventh now, actually, reading the Declaration. And now we have other people joining us. But then uh, G stayed for yeah. some comments. Uh, Brianna stick around for a while. Wendy was around for a bit. Uh, Jerome stayed the whole show. He was on three hours. He says, only we got three minutes on, on Fox. And I said, yeah, we got three hours here. That's the difference, pal. Said, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's the difference with live action yeah. radio. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we, we have time to, to talk about stuff. So what's exactly. on your What have you been thinking about of life? Oh, you know what? I had something come to the forefront a couple of days ago, and I was literally appalled by it. And I thought, I've got to talk to Greg about this, because in yeah, the state there. of Illinois, and I, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. In the state of Illinois, Governor J.B. Pritzker actually signed HB 3882 into effect, which is going to allow illegal immigrants or aliens, as you like to call them. The wordage is immigrants, but well, I know I'm going to change it to aliens the just for you. The legal term yeah, for yeah, illegal aliens is illegal aliens. Yeah, that's why I use it. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, it's going to allow illegal aliens to acquire standard driver's licenses. And what uh-huh. totally that, gets me about this is – yeah, right. Well, and and basically they're they're stating behind this that it's going to ensure that every eligible individual can obtain a driver's license because it's going to make our roads safer for one, which I find <laughs> laughable. No, 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 absolutely no, no, no. laughable. What's the real reason? Yeah. Come on, Bonnie. You know why they do this? Tell me. Why why, why do you do it? Oh no! I, oh, I'm getting to that. I'm getting to that. Oh. I do know the reason. Mm-hmm. But but the fact okay. that they are literally quoted as saying making our roads safer and decreasing stigma and creating more equitable systems for all, and <laughs> the the Racism, secretary not of to let state. illegals drive. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And and the Secretary of State said that currently illegal immigrants in Illinois, they get what's called a temporary visitor driver's license or a TVDL, and this is printed on the top of their licenses. So anybody that's there illegally gets this little TVDL symbol, and they are claiming that this exposes them to, get this, discrimination or immigration enforcement. Oh, how dare they? How dare they? Right? What's that symbol called again? Wait a minute. What's it it called? It's a temporary visitor driver's license. So a TVDL is printed on their license. I want to write this. Hang on. I want to write this down. I want a TVDL. So hang on. This is TVDL. So temporary visitor's driver's license? Correct. That's what it stands for. But they can't get drivers. You can't give illegal drivers licenses anyway because it's, it's illegal for them to be here. So that's the first problem. I know. Uh, that's the first problem. Right. That's the first problem. So anyway, this is this is the the kicker that's going to go back to your question about what's this about, Bonnie? Guess when it goes into effect? Uh, right before the primaries. Because he's well, yeah, pretty close. July first, twenty twenty four. So there's that direct oh. correlation, obviously. Yeah, right in the election year, we're going to start taking all the TVDLs because you know we got to make it equitable. 
for all of the right. illegal aliens. We've we got to make them not feel discriminated against. And we certainly don't want to enforce kicking them out of our country because that would be following the law. So, you know, we don't want to do that. we got to well, win the election for- somehow. I think illegals are a multi-billion or possibly trillion-dollar business, because if it were really agree. in the government, if it were really in the government's interest not to have them here, because it's not in the people's interest, because they they basically take all our stuff, our rights, our roads, our schools, mm-hmm. our businesses, our jobs, our tax money. They send our currency out of the country. Nothing good comes from illegal aliens. They do us no good whatsoever. No, except no, for the powers that be to lower wages. Um, increase. Well, I'll let you. I'll, I'll let you do the rest of it because I know where we're going to go with this. But uh, now, so if some, so, so, so how would it, so how would an illegal alien get a driver's license anyway now? Uh, so they can get them, but they have that T, that temporary visitor driver's T- license. Do they have an Do they have correct. an expiration on it? What does yeah, it look like? Yeah. So essentially, I believe all they have to do is go into the DMV and present them with either a passport or a fictitious green card, perhaps a fictitious social security number, and as long as they pass the driver's test, which is, as you know, like a written test and possibly a, an actual driving i don't know they might even be they able to come anymore? in there I, well i don't test? know if they actually do it because if you have an existing license in another country i'm not sure if they oh, okay. actually make you do the driving portion of the test they may just make you do the written portion and as long as you can get through the questions you're good and as we yeah. all know everything's in in another language anyway we cater to every single illegal immigrant slash alien so you know they're going to put it in whatever language they want so I don't think that there's a huge barrier for them to cross to actually pass that part. But I agree with yep. you that it, they should not be getting licenses to begin with. But there is a process in place for all 50 states that they can get a license. It's just that Illinois has now made it like, well, we don't want to discriminate and put this little symbol on there. So we're going to give you a valid driver's license, which means, guess what? You can vote whether you're legal or not. And there's an estimated, estimated yep. 425,000 illegal aliens in the state of Illinois alone. So you can imagine if other states well, adopt this, that. we're going to be, yeah. The numbers are going to add up quickly, very, very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So there well, was a, a second to part to this, too. There was a second part that, that state lawmakers are, yeah, in Illinois, the state lawmakers already passed HB 3751, and Governor Pritzker is probably just going to sign it within the next week or two. But that's actually going to allow DACA recipients. DACA stands for okay. Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. So we're talking the young kids that have arrived basically here because of their parents. Well, they're adults now. going to make them. them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's going to make them eligible to work to become law enforcement officers, which is a federal violation. Only natural born citizens are supposed to be able to get into law enforcement. But this bill is going to allow DACA recipients to be eligible. Lawful immigrants can be in law enforcement. I was I was I was born in Canada. I was a Canadian citizen. Um, okay. I worked in U.S. Customs um, right at, you know after 9-11. You know, I you know, did my volunteer right. to help my country. Then they told me I was too old. Uh, to do anything interesting, and they put me in a booth, you know, stamping passports, and I quickly lost my mind. Right. And, and I said, you got to give me another job. I can't sit here eight hours a day and stamp passports. I'm going <laughs> crazy. And they said, No, you're too old for any other job. And it's like, Okay, well, see you later. So I took their yeah. hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of wonderful training and left. Um, mm-hmm. It's just I couldn't, you know. It's like uh, one thing I can't do. You can't bore me to death. And literally boring me to death would cause me to, you know, go crazy and just shut down. And so I said, I can't I do hear you. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but that's how the government well, works because they I, want their younger, wrong stupider. I use the wrong verbiage. Yeah, not 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 natural born, but American citizens are supposed to be the only ones who can become law enforcement officers. So if you go through the citizenship yeah. class or whatever. But but again, that violates the federal law. And the legislator that wrote this law basically are justifying 
the conflict of the two by predicting that DACA recipients will eventually become citizens anyway. So it's okay. Even though DACA is supposed to be a temporary thing that expires after two years, they're basically saying, right. oh, it doesn't matter. You know, we're, we're going to go ahead and let them become police officers because they're eventually going to become citizens. It's no big deal. <laughs> so, if a police op- so if an illegal alien police officer commits a crime, mm-hmm. can they be deported? <laughs> you know, that is such a good question. I, I really don't know where they're going to go with this because, as we know, they don't want to make them feel discriminated against. So chances are if – Somebody that's a DACA recipient becomes a officer, they're going to say something like, um, well, it's okay because of the fact that we've given you this driver's license that's permanent and you've been in law enforcement and you've shown yourself to be worthy of it for the past few years. We'll overlook it. We'll overlook it. I have a feeling that's what's going to happen. But going even further, like I started, my wheels are turning and I'm thinking, how many things will they be able to do on their own illegally if they pull somebody over? Like, they might be able to say, hey, you were going 80 and a 50, and um, I'll let you go if you take this two pounds of fentanyl to Montana for me, you know? Just like, <laughs> whatever you want to do, just that's slide really it under point. the wheel. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm saying, well, what like, if, that's where my mind went. Yeah, but what if the Mexican cartel set up a subset of illegal alien Mexican police in Illinois to, to bring the drugs in? I mean, why not? Exactly. So that might be exactly. a cartel member, you know, dues-paying thing. So who wants to who wants to apprentice in the – you know, in the Chicago police force, you know, and they contact and right. contact, especially they got the gang task force, or this would be even better, right? So you got illegal Mexicans working in the, in the Chicago police force, you know, dealing directly mm-hmm. with the gangs in Chicago, bringing fentanyl directly from Mexico, you know, and bringing it mm-hmm. in because they just ship it directly to the officers. Oh, this is, this is hysterical. And, and oh, that, you know, it, yeah. You know, exactly. And here's the thing, though. Exactly. They're not they're not covered by the Constitution. We've talked about this before. Uh, I even have a right. argument. You know, when Yankee gets a line that says that illegal aliens can vote at the state level, it's like, no, they can't, because they can't be here. Right. So if you can't be here, right. you can't do anything here. I don't care what it is: vote, drive, live, yeah. work, nothing, because you can't nothing. be here. And so right. the idea that you don't want to discriminate against them. You know the other argument, and I, I wrote this down here for earlier. Do you remember when the uh, the citizenship question on the census was, was up? This is about 2018, 2019. And we actually wrote a bill on the air uh, making the citizenship question on the census mandatory. Got it to Matt Gates, my congressman. Um, I wrote it on a Thursday. Actually, it was July 5th. You know, it'd be like this. So this is the anniversary of our of our first bill written on the air. Right. So 2018. So six mm-hmm. years ago, 2018, we wrote a bill on the air. Uh, Friday night, the next day, I put it on com. Saturday morning, I sent it to Matt Gates. This is back when he used to answer my emails. Um, and then he <laughs> read it, uh, report. Well, I don't know where they go now. <laughs> you know, the, the staff minions. You know, minions. The minions are my greatest right. opposition because because if, if I could get to the right people, if I could write Joe Rogan directly, he'd have me on in, in like two weeks. You know, but I can't. Oh, yeah. I have to go through the minions that don't understand what we're doing here. So anyway, right. so, um, so we wrote this bill on the air, put it on writeyourlaws.com. Saturday morning, sent it to Matt Gates. Tuesday, five days later from the day we wrote it on the air, he reports on the show, this is a great bill. Takes it to Washington, presents it to the House Freedom Caucus, takes it to the Trump White House. Uh, Trump decides to do it by regulation instead of uh, sponsoring legislation in Congress. Uh, and the Supreme Court mm-hmm. overrules it. But the argument that just had me, you know, hysterical and furious at the same time 
this is truly bizarre. They said that you can't ask citizenship because the illegal aliens can't be identified because they're working with the police. And if they're identified as illegal aliens, the other illegal aliens might victimize them. <laughs> or it might increase it might make them dangerous for them in this country because, you know, they work with the police anonymously and we can't identify them as illegal aliens. And I'm like, what? Oh, <laughs> isn't that great? Oh, if we, that, if we that, identify uh, the illegal aliens, that will, that will endanger them from the criminals because then they won't report to the they won't feel that they can report to the police anymore. That's what they said. This is the same argument. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's yeah, ridiculous. That's absolutely feel, ridiculous. Uh, yeah. So I would ask those legislators in Chicago and, and uh, Governor Pritzker, uh, what do you think of the January 6th Trump supporters? I bet they feel stigmatized being in a political prison. In oh, I'm sure. The, yeah. I mean, they're stigmatized mm-hmm. for life. I, so this is exactly. So this is exactly. all about, So all just remember Greg's axiom number 12. All roads lead to citizenship for illegals, whether it's the ITIN right. number, the social security numbers. The, uh, the, the, the NGOs like Catholic Charities, Lutheran Charities that are facilitating their, quote, relocation, the governors that aren't mm-hmm. uh, evicting them, the, uh, the, the local counties, the city councils, all these people could use asset forfeiture to get rid of these people, just take their stuff, you know. And we have a lot. Right. Um, have you read our, our citizenship ID declaration, which puts your citizenship right in your draft? Oh, yeah, it's a great bill. So I'll, I will send that to you as soon as uh, yes, you know, I my phone or computer. My computer's having enough problems right now, <laughs> so I'm not going to test. I'm not yeah. going to uh, test it. Well, who knows? I mean, the FBI cut my signal to the show from my microphone. Who knows what's next? Right? right? Yeah. So, what's next? Exactly. The, the, and and the, I would not yeah, put yeah. it. I would not put it past them, like you were saying with the January oh, no. 6th people. I would not put it past the government to put a MAGA stamp on everyone's driver's license who was included in that. Like, would, can you not yeah. just see that? Like, forevermore, oh. the scarlet letter on your card yeah, is, you are a mega, or a mega mega. Yeah, but, and you know, they never say make America great again. Because if you're against <laughs> the, the mega, the, well, that's what I call it America first. So if you're against the America first movement, you must mean America last. Or, you, you, you know, you must hate this country, yeah. which is what they did. Absolutely hate this country. Yeah. Um, but this, this is a fascinating thing. But all roads lead to citizenship. The ITIN, you know, again, the, the, right. the NGOs, you know, people working illegally. Yeah. Um, uh, student loans, you know, uh, yes. driver's licenses, all these things, no voter mm-hmm. ID, all these things are designed to right. get illegal aliens to become illegal citizens uh, and to have them vote. Now, here's the good news. Citizenship, most people don't know this, but it, we immigrants know this, that citizenship is not, not guaranteed for life. If you become an American citizen, it can be revoked mm-hmm. pretty easily if you, right. if you do a few things, if you serve in a yes. foreign military as Vindman mm-hmm. probably did for the Ukrainian military since he was born in Ukraine. His citizenship should probably be stripped if that can be found and proven. If you work for another government, as I think, uh, what's your name, our, our Somali person, um, who am I you know, thinking of? You know the one. She's terrible. Uh, yeah. The one who I, I can't even brother. think of her name. Her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm sure she's working for the Somali government. So her citizenship, which is fraudulent anyway, because she, uh, right. you know, lied on immigration application. So that's another yep. reason to citizenship, citizenship. So citizenship is not guaranteed for, for, for even lawful immigrants. Say if I went to work right. for the government of Canada, my American citizenship could be stripped completely because I would show allegiance to another country. That's grounds for getting rid of sure. your citizenship. So what Absolutely. that means is that all the illegals that came under, you know, birth tourism, that came here specifically mm-hmm. to give birth to American citizens, all those anchor babies, that citizenship can yes. be revoked. Not only can well, that be Well, and interestingly revoked, enough, 
did you see that DeSantis is actually proposing a law to do away with that? Like he's actually putting that out there publicly yeah, that he wants to do away with natural why? born citizenship. Why is well, he for the same that? reason, because people are coming here and they're taking advantage of it, you know, crossing no, the border no. and having their kids here purposefully. No, you don't think he that's why? No, he did it because Trump did it first. He's, he's just riding on the popularity that Trump talked about that in his first term. Trump's been talking about that since 2016. Now, why, why he didn't do it, I do not know. Yeah, I think that's, just, that's what I was about COVID to say. He didn't actually follow through. No, I was just going to say he didn't actually. Mistake. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. huge mistake. What with Julia Roberts in, in Pretty Woman? Big mistake. Huge. <laughs> do you remember that line? <laughs> yeah. Did you watch Pretty Woman? I, I do obscure I movie references Woman. all the time. Especially to uh, films that uh, you know my 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 uh, co you know or my guests here might not uh, have seen or you know dare I say be too young for, which I'll occasionally do. All, especially oh. I'll quote movies that were too young for me, like Casablanca. You know, just just because. Oh it's fun. gee. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Lois, I'm, I'm a big Princess Bride quoter. So. What's that? Mm-hmm. I said I'm a big Princess Bride quoter. There's many many oh. many lines in that movie. That's a classic. Yeah, love that movie. Yeah, I've actually seen that one. Yeah. That's uh, yes. uh, um, Hathaway, right? Uh, no, that's Carrie, Carrie Yules is the lead actor. Oh, in it. I guess and I confused with, with Princess Diaries and Princess Bride. There's two different ones. Oh, no, no. Princess What's Bride is like over 25 years old. It's, it's a classic. That's like Julie. We're talking Andre, Andre the Giant. Yeah, so Princess Bride. Which, what's, the, what's the Robin Hood takeoff? Is that Princess Bride or Princess Diaries? Um, it, it would be more like Princess Bride because Kira Yule starred in a Robin Hood takeoff as well. But Princess yeah, Bride is the one with, you know, West, Wesley and Buttercup. Who was the hot blonde bitch? Yeah. yeah uh, she's I mean, Robin something. I can't think of her last name. Robin is her first name. Yeah. I mean, why, why would guys watch a Robin she, Hood film if not for the babes? Because we've already seen the guys. We don't care. <laughs> All about the Princess Buttercup. Of course. Absolutely. Anyway. Yeah, yeah I know. So good but there's metaphor. sword oh, fighting, the way, too. Robin Hood, what's that? I said there's good sword fighting scenes too. I love good sword fighting scenes. You cannot, in fact, I, I fenced in you, college. You, yeah, well, there's fencing. There's a little bit of fencing, but I mean, the the movie itself. If there's one line that is famous, it is, mm-hmm. "Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father." I know ah. that line. Who's seen that movie? Looking for Absolutely. the six-fingered man. <laughs> the pickle finger of fate, as they used to say on laughing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great one. Yeah. And Carlos, was it Carlos Montoya? What was his first name? Uh, Inigo. Inigo. It's a very oh, Carlos unique Montoya name. is the guitar player. Yeah, Carlos Montoya is a classic guitarist. Sorry, sorry, Carlos. Yeah. <sighs> it's okay. But uh, what an it, insult. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. You know, but he's he, a like, great guitarist. Probably a lousy sword fighter, but a great guitar player. But you know, but uh, you should try fencing. It's really fun. In fact, I want to get a wooden sword, well, get like old English battle swords and katanas and, and right? have like a wooden sword fighting club. Yeah. The closest I have come is bunny fencing. We actually went to a renaissance fair, my husband and I, years ago. And they put the uh-huh. fencing mask on you. You gear up in the fencing gear and they give you blunt tips with, you know, the pokey swords, which is what the fencing ones are. But they, they kind of like right. put masking tape or something on the tip. And they tie two well, balloons, one on each ear. So you have two balloons. balloons floating up from your ears, and the whole point is to try and poke your opponent's balloons to try and get you into the fencing. That was a lot of fun. Like, take this. Oh, that's <laughs> cool. This shit had, like, a, a, a paintball, you know, glad bag on your chest and, and hit that. Uh, heart strike. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> the nice but, but, splatter of the red paint. 
fencing, fencing is a kick. But Robin Hood, it's interesting that uh, is one of the big lies out there that Robin Hood robbed from the rich and gave to the poor. Everybody knows that, right? It's not true. Well, yeah, Robin that's, that's the tagline. Rob, yeah, but Robin Hood robbed from the government and gave people their taxes back. That's right. Oh. That's absolutely oh. right. Yeah, the sheriff of Nottingham was illegally taxing them to death. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. was rightfully returning what was theirs. Exactly. When the government tried to collect mm-hmm. their, what they considered their fair share, right? So it's this perfect method. So does Robin that mean that Robin Hood is the modern-day constitutionalist? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Robin, Robin Hood was uh, Howard Jarvis of California. Robert, uh, you know, he is uh, Ron Paul of today. So Robin Hood is anybody that tries to uh, reduce, you know, Donald Trump is Robin Hood. Robin Hood economics. I was about to say, yeah, he was the Trump. He was the, yeah. he was the yeah. OG MAGA. Robin Hood was OG MAGA. Yeah. Original. Put him in uh, tights and uh, a green suit like Errol Flynn, have him swinging <laughs> on a vine, and uh, it'd be great. <laughs> this is going to be huge. Robin Hood it's going to be huge, people. Huge. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, who are we going to get to play little John? Who's the tallest member of the, the Trump administration? We'll get some really big guy. We could do Actually, that'd be I, a great satire. You want to do a great satire? So line up all the Trump, the former Trump cabinet as members of Robin Hood's Mary Band and kind of match them up. I mean, Will Scarlet would be like uh, Peter Navarro. Uh, or, or just, and little John would be, I don't know, who was big? Who was big in the, I don't in the know. Trump administration? Somebody. We'll find somebody. Yeah. Anyway. The, who's Rudy Giuliani going to be? He's got to be somebody kind of short and <laughs> Somebody that's uh, profusely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was thinking Friar Tuck, but he's not port, he's not portly <laughs> enough for that role. Tuck, he's got the hair. Oh, <laughs> right, there you go. So you know, Friar Giuliani or Rudy Rudy Tuck. You know, Friar. Rudy. Yes. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, so we could have the entire Robin Hood band. That'd be a great script for you if you ever did that. Get enough actors together. That would be. Uh, and do a, do oh. a Trump Robin Hood. Yeah, but but that's but. I'll get in this. Go ahead. I was going to say, I'll get with my brother on that. We'll come up with something brilliant, no doubt. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But um, speaking of brilliant, there are so many um, issues that have been going on uh, of late. Um, anything in particular in the news that uh, strikes you? And then i got a couple of our, our legislative efforts to, uh, to put your way and see if you can, you know, share. Are you allowed to share our bills on your show, on your, on your Saturday show, or no? Um, I don't know that I can just yet. I'm still I'm working through stuff. This this upcoming Saturday is probably going to be my final training, and then I'll be on my own. So we'll we'll get there, but I don't know that it'll be soon. So the training like microphone the next is week off. You're going to take the little wheels off the microphone and just do it on your own. Yes, I was supposed to do it this past Saturday, but we actually ran into a technical issue similar to you. One of our monitors went out. The HDMI cable actually broke on air 45 minutes in. Oh, so we ran into wow. a little bit of an absolute emergency, and the soundboard had to be taken back over. And we were we were dual feeding two stations at once, which was a no no. So <laughs> it yeah, was a bit yeah. chaotic. Well, at least you have digital uh, uh, gauges, so you or or analog gauges, so you know when you're broadcasting, you know when the signal's going out. I've been trying to get digital gauges on my uh, block chart screen for years. They won't do it. Mm-hmm. So, but I know when the signal's yeah. out, all of a sudden I'll hear my, my voice to my computer speakers, and then it comes back into the, the, the headset. It's like, oops, interrupted signal. But it was so funny. It happened right right when we talked about the FBI, you know, uh, social yeah. media connection, censoring action radio. What do you think about that? Uh, did you hear about the latest judge's ruling? Because I haven't really studied Wait, it yet. Well, but I'm going to talk about maybe the next No, hour. if it. If it's dealing with censorship, I did not. The, the latest one that I was kind of following was the affirmative action and doing away with that, which I was like all about. And of course, the ruling that, you know, no, no more student loans. Being marked safe, I am marked safe from not having to pay on student loans. Oh, you, I'm very did you see my that. post on that? Yeah. So I, I did. I, I shared it. Somewhere. I shared it loud and, and proud. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people did. 
you know, and as this, yeah. is, um, this is the only way I break through the censorship. This was something really popular. Um, but it's interesting that uh, they haven't censored. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm still restricted. My posts don't go very far, but uh, some of them do. The memes are actually carrying on. But I don't share memes yes. when it's for friends only. And so what I'll do is I'll just mm-hmm. pull that out on my desktop and share it myself. But I like to give credit. So if it's right. a public post, I'll share it directly from the source. But if it's a friends only, because uh, I want everybody to be able to see these things, I just post it publicly. Um, so getting more right. followers, getting it, it, but it's just too slow. But uh, so, so affirmative action. I mean, how can you be mm-hmm. against that? You're a woman. Don't you deserve special privilege? I mean, you know, those white guys have been taking all the jobs, right? Oh, oh, for sure. I've, I've been so oppressed, Greg. My entire life I've been pushed down and trampled on, and that, that glass ceiling, I just can't seem to shatter it at all. Oh, of yep, course yep. I don't deserve affirmative action. You, you have to work for what you get. And when I was uh-huh. in school, we did not sit down and have the teachers tell us, okay, well, the girls are going to get an extra 100 points on their SAT because they're, you know, they're discriminated against, they're feminine, so we're just uh-huh. going to throw in an yep. extra few points. No! It was equal, equal across the board. Everybody starts at zero, and you work your way up. And if you want to get into college, you're going to have to work hard, try and get some scholarships, try and get good grades. You're not going to be graded on a curve because of, you know, somebody that is a minor or considered discriminated against. We're all equal. And so from the get-go, that entire concept of allowing admissions for certain nationalities into colleges and denying others who were worthy, it's appalling. It's absolutely appalling. You're, you're turning down brilliant minds in our own country that worked uh-huh. hard to get to where they wanted to be, wanted to go to Harvard, wanted to go to Yale, become whatever, the doctors, lawyers, whatever. No, I'm uh-huh. sorry. We can't take you. Our, our slot is full. We need to take five more applications from African-Americans. Thank you. Bye, Felicia. No. <laughs> it's not right. Not right. Well, the funniest um, part about this is the fact that uh, the, the black students that are getting into these colleges – are Nigerian, mm-hmm. Jamaican, <laughs> they're right. from all kinds of places in the world. Right. They're, they're not, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they say, well, they're not uh, Americans, uh, you know, African-Americans that descended from slaves. Okay, so, you know, do you want, mm-hmm. do you want people that descended from slaves or do you want black people? Because there's two totally right. different things. You know, there's exactly. a lot of black people in Brazil. There's a lot of black people in different places. It's, it's really quite interesting. There's black people in Mexico. Uh, they're everywhere. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's a ridiculous concept, in my opinion. And, and even to the minority that they are also allowing, you know, a certain percentage of Asian Americans, when I first found that, and, and obviously, if you look at all of these studies, Asian Americans tend to do really, really well when it comes to scoring on tests and all of that. They have a rigorous mm-hmm. regimen in all of those countries. I do not dispute that they are intelligent people. But if you're going to sit there and turn away our own country's, you know, white, whatever, no, what they you want to have Americans, here and they're say, talking about multi-generational Americans. Yeah, they're not talking about exactly. people who just got off the boat from Asia, you know. So uh, exactly. the culture is exactly. that uh, the parents help the kids work hard. Right. That's the difference. Right. Yeah. That is the difference. That is the difference. And we should also be helping our children work hard and raising them to have that mentality instead of saying, oh, it's all right. If you get a D minus on the test, you'll still get your GED. It's all right. You can just skate through life and get on welfare and, and take advantage of whatever government programs there are. And you can you can just, you know, allow the government to provide for you because Big Brother wants to do it anyway. And then you're just a, a born into that democratic opinion that, you know, big government will take care of me. So why should I have to work? And that feeds right into socialism and communism, because the government promises to take care of you forever until they don't. And they just don't understand. Well, that. what about the guaranteed income? So the, the problem is. 
at what point do people become responsible for themselves? So when you're when you're born, <laughs> obviously you know you can't do much. So you're you're at the mercy of your parents, um, good or bad. Right. And so we know how that works, right? So then we go through school, <laughs> and if you're in uh, a, a minority protected Democrat school in a in a in a black inner city urban area, you're going to get passed through because they purposely dumb down the education of black kids because they right. want them to succeed. The Democrat Party does. That's, right. That's the ultimate racism is to destroy the lives of, of black Americans before they even get started by sending them to a government school right. designed to make them stupid. So that's the first racism. Right. Uh, and then it goes mm-hmm. from there to then, well, how do you get into college if you've got a substandard high school education? Well, you have to have affirmative action. Right. That's the only there way these go. kids are going to get in school because they've already had a substandard uh, elementary, junior high and high school education. So they, they can't compete. And, the, and that's by design right. to make them victims. And depend on the Democrats. Everything makes them dependent on the Democrats. So then you get to college and exactly. then you affirmative action. So then they get in the work world, all right? And then they can't do the job, mm-hmm. even with that right. Harvard education. So, so then what's right. the next bypass? Well, you can't sue well, them or, or, or fire them because that would be racist. And they have civil service protection. Well, not civil, but they have civil right. rights protection, real or imagined. And it's too expensive to, to fire you know, substandard folks on the job because uh, they've gotten the pass in, in elementary school, gotten the pass in high school, gotten the pass in college, now they got the job pass. So, and then the ultimate right. pass is unemployment or the guaranteed income. Yeah. So people never yeah. have to be accountable at any point. And what that causes, exactly. as we all know from the Pilgrim experiment of sharing everything, is that mm-hmm. uh, certain percentage doesn't work, takes the product of people who do work, and then the people who do work decide it's not worth working either, and they stop working, and then the society collapses. And that's what almost killed the Pilgrims. Socialism almost killed the yeah. Pilgrims. Most people don't know that, but that's the truth. So in the same way, if people can live their entire lives never being accountable – and never being responsible, that will destroy this country, pure and simple. Absolutely. I mean, I think it actually goes against the structure of humanity. We were designed by God to work. Like, it's in our DNA. That's what we are here for is to have a purpose and work. All of us have a part. We're we're all members of the human race, and we have something Mm -hmm. to contribute. And if you have someone that is gifted in the medical field, and they're looking at it going, why would I work my tail off and go to – medical school for 10 years to get what I need to get to be a doctor and I'm going to get paid as much as a plumber. Why would I do that? Or why would I, why would I, you know, not practice something that I don't have to work so hard for or let the government take care of me? Why am I bothering to do it at all? And and it erodes the whole purpose of every single human being. And you go one step further, like what you were saying in the basic principles of schooling where you're dumbing things down and you're making them say, well, it's okay. We're going to push you through. You don't have to read. You can graduate without being literate. No, the same principle applies now that they're basically saying, well, you're not even really a boy. You're not even really a girl. You're whatever you want to be. You you can just declare it. And it it strips you of your human worth. Yes. You have no identity. Let's talk about that because that's an interesting uh, uh, segue. So the purpose of of de-sexing humanity, of saying that there Mm -hmm. is no male or female is is what? Why why are they doing that? I I mean, it Definitely so that you are basically, well, I think that you're, you're going to be searching for your purpose and they're going to tell you what your purpose is. So we're going to tell you what you need to do because you can't figure it out on your own. So then you become just a, another zombie, if you will, in the field of people that they can control. And it's all about well, who are you? Who are you if you have no identity and who fills in that gap? Well, you're you're definitely a number. You're you're nobody. So you're just a pleb, illegal okay. 
aliens can come and fill that or, you know, whatever you want to come over so and fill that. But... Means, yeah, if citizenship means nothing, then illegal aliens are just as equal as citizens, which is not true. Right, exactly. If, if there is no, no male or female sex, then there's, mm-hmm. no, way, then there's no identity for that either. And that's a huge part of right. people's identity. I'm a dude. Right. I'm right. good at it. You know, uh, I've got dude qualities, <laughs> you know, I'm loud. I speak with a deep voice. I'm very, uh, you know, assertive. I walk all over my guests all the time. You know, I do do things. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt in anybody's mm-hmm. mind who I am, including me. You right. Know, same with you. Right. Right. Same thing, same thing with me. I am very much female and I am, I am not afraid to announce the fact that I can wear an apron and put lipstick on. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's some dudes doing that too, but that's a whole other story. But when that's you think a about whole it, other story. We're not going into the Caitlyn Jenner field. <laughs> no, no, but but think about that. Now, it, it's interesting that. Uh, well, here's here's my favorite cultural example: Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yes. So you saw it, I take it, many times, like the yes. rest of us, or no? Well, okay, once right. once was enough for me. <laughs> See, it used to be a sporting event, perhaps <laughs> marching. We'd go at least, uh, you know, because it was on every year for years, right? Every weekend, right. especially at Halloween. So we, we'd make an annual band trip. At Halloween, yeah. Rock and mm-hmm. we'd, brought it, we'd bring our popcorn and our toilet paper and all the other things you're supposed to bring. I've forgotten all the, uh, the right. extras. And they had a special screen, which was like rubberized so it wouldn't be destroyed. And uh, they'd have actors and people dressing in the costume. People really got into it. Um, but the funny thing was, sure. those, in those days, they could make fun of transvestites. They did, and yeah. It, it was hysterical. I mean, guys in pantyhose was funny. I mean, Tim Curry was right. hysterical. But I don't know how he got into that right. costume because he's still a dude, too. But he did. Anyway, mm-hmm. and uh, and the point was, it was funny. Try making that today. Right. Oh, no. No, no, no. That would be absolutely not PC because they're celebrated today. And if you try and make fun of them or laugh at the hysteri- hysterical nature of it all, you're going to be looked at as, well, how dare you? How dare you judge me? I'm God. This is who I am. And, <laughs> yeah, it's a totally different culture. Yeah. But we were joking at Disneyland earlier. Uh, with Bill Fecky in the first hour. And I was talking about, I, I made a, a joke post about the new uh, villages in uh, uh, Disneyland. And I think one of them was, was Transland. <laughs> the other was, was Pedo Land. <laughs> oh, that's great. You can I use like that. Transland. Great. Yeah, Transland. Oh, yeah. So, that, that, so, I may keep that. If, if we did Transland, you know, welcome to Transland, where nobody has a gender or a sex. We've gotten rid of both terms. <laughs> where everybody's the same. Everybody's neutral. Everybody has no problem. Oh, you need a whole commercial, Greg. You need to do a whole splash. I can see it now. For, for Transland? Okay. I have so many. Yes. I am so bad at stuff I need. I need, to, I need, uh, I need production help because I, all the regular jobs I have running the show, I don't get a chance to, to do these, these, uh, um, these different things. And there's a few of them. So Transland, Pedoland, and I, I have to drag out that post and see what the other ones were. There was a few of them. Transland, well, the white sale that you did for my... BLM was brilliant. So Transland needs to go right well, up there you. with it. <laughs> well, oh, and the diversity, I've got the, I'm also working on the diversity workshop. So that's another one. Yes. Yes, that's right. The you are working on that. Workshop, yeah, where white people are mm-hmm. properly represented. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Fun. So yes. Let me add this to a list of, uh, of, of, I have a, of a, I have a to-do list of things. Let me see if I can find it here real quickly. I'll find it. I'm right good notes myself. But the, the trouble keeping all this stuff organized is really, that's hard too. Because <laughs> there's so many yes. different ideas. I have, yeah. Oh, I know. I I constantly keep a a live document of ideas going, and and it's just like anytime I think of something, I pop into it and add it, and then got to go back and find it later so that you can add to it. Isn't it fun? Oh, how that goes. What's that? Isn't it fun being creative? Oh, I love it. I love it. If if I was not allowed to be creative, I would 
feel so stifled, I think I would curl up in a corner and just suck my thumb and do nothing. <laughs> I have to have an outlet. And laughter is the best medicine. So being creative is what I'm all about, for sure. Now, how many creative courses did you take in school from, from elementary through college? The only creative course really that I was able to take, obviously art, if you can call that creativity, when the teachers basically give you supplies and say, make this thing, which is kind of barriers in and of itself, and music. And again, you're limited to, here's your sheet music, pick up your clarinet and play it. Well, what if I don't want to play that song? <laughs> so you're, you're very limited in the creative world. Now, I did get into journalism in high school. And that's where I found my passion in communicating and being able to write articles that I wanted to write. And again, right. though, there are always parameters. Well, you're not allowed to talk about certain things this way or that way. You need to do this or don't what go to that topic. What did you weren't allowed to talk about? This is fascinating. What, do, what were you not allowed to talk about? Um, Journalism. Honestly, we had, to, we had to keep things related to kind things. So if you wanted to sit there and, like, Kind Go thing. off on a tangent about, yeah, kind like you had to not put people down. You know, that anti-bully movement. You could not say anything that could be taken offensively. And I think that today it's going to be far worse than it was for me because I'm talking over 25 years ago for myself. That was just on the, the mark. It was just starting. Now you would not even be allowed to use, oh, you, you have to use the proper pronoun. I, I mean, it'd be a nightmare. If I had to be in high school journalism today, I would not know what to call anybody. They, them, he, she, it, what, I don't know. I, like, how do you write an article about the lead football star when you don't even know what pronoun they're using? So <laughs> I, would, I would have been in big trouble because I'm a firm believer in, listen, you're a male, you're going to be he. You're a female, you're going to be she. And if they want to sit there and say, oh, no, I'm a they, them, or I'm a cake donut. No, I'm not using your pronouns. I'm using he, she. So that's well, something that would be a whole new challenge really today, interesting. But, no, this is really interesting yeah. because you see – I in uh, the the desexing of people, mm -hmm. the, the the reduction of identity. Yes. If you're not if you're not a he or a she, if you're a they. Now I use mm -hmm. I use here's an ironic story. When I wrote my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction, which I wrote 30 years ago next year, mm -hmm. so it was 1994 it came out. I specifically made it gender neutral way before anybody else was even thinking about that because I didn't want women to think that they couldn't be pilots, and so I, you know I didn't write he, sure. I wrote they. So if, if uh, you know, and I did okay. that purposely. And the women at my publisher, uh, publisher's place said, no, you can't do that. You're supposed to use heat. I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. I'm trying to be, you know, I'm trying to do something here specifically because only 5% of the, probably right. maybe 3% of us are women. Now it's higher. And I had a lot of women students, mm -hmm. you know, and women make great students um, for flying. And I, I had a lot of students because I treated everybody equally. But I actually tried mm -hmm. to do this long before anybody else was doing it. Uh, and it made sense. Because and there's certain mm -hmm. times when it does make sense to be gender neutral, um, when you're talking about something especially that may be dominated by one or the other sexes, so, uh, gender being a literary well, term, sex being the actual term. Anyway. And when I was in school, if I used they, I was chastised by my teacher. They always said, "You're not using the plural form. You need to use the proper form. You need to use your pronoun of he, she, or it. You cannot use they because that's plural." So it, what it does is it breaks down. You want to go back to breaking things down. We're, well, we're de-sexing. We're dumbing mm -hmm. down, and now we're getting even dumber because we're using improper grammar. And so all of the yep. sentences make no sense. Pretty soon the English language is going to have a complete breakdown, and nobody's going to be able to communicate. You might as well be back in the days of the Tower of Babel. What are you saying? I don't <laughs> understand you. Well, For that's real. how the language gets made up. The history gets made up. You know, you remove the statues, yeah. you remove the documents. Now, we read the Declaration of Independence exactly. for a good reason, so people could actually hear it and mm -hmm. hear what's in it. Um, and so, uh, you know, I recommend everybody read it with their family out loud. 
you know, get the kids read yeah. it uh, because a lot of times yeah. kids don't do that. And once you read it, you go, oh, that stuff's happening today. <laughs> Gee, that's why we read mm-hmm. it. That, that was the whole purpose, to realize yeah. how much of what in our colonies is happening oh. today. But, uh, yeah, go yeah. ahead. It's important. I love that you do that. I really do. And when I was in junior history class in high school, we had a teacher that had been there forever. Bless her heart. Her name was Miss Brenneman. She made us all memorize the preamble to the Constitution. We had to go back to the Gettysburg Address and memorize parts of that, as well as part of the Declaration of Independence. And I hated it. I absolutely hate memorizing things, especially when I was younger. But today, I see the tremendous value in that and instilling those foundations in every single student that was in that class. I, I applaud her. I really do. And that's the kind of teachers we need to keep history to where it needs to be. Go back to the foundation. Well, history is living. History only lives if you, if you read it about it and, and, and do it. I'm not a big fan of memorization, probably because my memory is terrible. Uh, that's why I started playing well, an thanks. instrument because I can't I can't remember song lyrics. I can't. I'm just I just there's like a brain gap. Maybe because you know you know my mom smoked when she was pregnant. I mean who knows? But whatever it is, <laughs> there's I just I do not memorize well. I'm much better at improvising. So as, as a flight instructor, I told my students I said you know I've had people come in. Well, I got 100% on my written test and I've memorized this. I said great. Can you fly an airplane? Well, uh, yeah, of course. Uh, the FAA says I can. Well, let's go and see what happens. My worst students. <laughs> my worst students were the ones that got 100% on the written test. Because, A, they thought they knew mm. what they were doing, and, B, they thought that if they could sit there in a quiet room filling in dots on a piece of paper, it translated to, be, you know, to being on my flight lesson in a bouncy you know, airplane that's loud, and even mm-hmm. though we had headsets. I mean, it's, it's still bouncy and turning crazy, and I, I put my students in crosswinds and everything else. And they're always grateful afterwards. Mm. But uh, the, the, the book students didn't stay with me too long because I actually taught real flying. Uh, and that's the big right. reason I wrote the book. Um, but, uh, but, but, you know, you've got to use it. Language in the same way it has to be used. And I don't yes. believe in memorizing because you memorize, but do you learn? So I think I know right. people who have memorized all kinds of things, but they haven't learned anything. Um, and so for me, if you read it, and I, we used to, when we'd have discussions, you know, about the regulations, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I'd read directly from the regulations. And they're like, well, don't you know them? I said, yeah, I do. But what if I don't say it correctly? What if I, I miss something and I discover new things because right. I can't memorize that well. So there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with reading over it, but I would have people read it out loud because when mm-hmm. you read it out loud, it changes you. When you it actually does. say the words. I, um, right. And, yeah, and writing it down is the other, the other part of that. If you actually take the time okay. to write it down, it gets into your brain even better. Three or four pages of notes per show. <laughs> yes. I got one here, X Radio, <laughs> the X Radio grammar lesson. You know, your personal pronouns right. are I and me. You know, you know your, mm-hmm, your, uh, mm-hmm. what, second person is he, she, or it. Yeah, and then we've got, uh, and then if you want to talk about more than one person, then you can say we are they, but until then you can't. <laughs> you know, I'll make it like the right, family, right. you know, grandfather. And now kids, <laughs> and here's your grammar lesson yeah. today from your friendly, friendly action radio host. <laughs> yeah, so, so, well, when I made most of those satire pieces was during the lockdown because I had time. Nothing was open. Yeah. You couldn't do anything. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I had I didn't have guests because <laughs> they were all you know off, not doing things. The only one was Peter Pry, who was on all the time. And he spent like an hour and a half with us, uh, sometimes two hours. He'd take the whole show and just talk about national security. And we, we got the entire history of nuclear weapons. It's a fascinating uh, a series of, of uh, shows that we did. He's passed on now. And we're, we're getting it to some, some really interesting people, you know, for the record. Uh, like Center for Security mm-hmm. Policy, where he worked, and some other places, the uh, EMP task force. So that's already being worked on because I have such a wealth of information from him. These shows are a resource. You know, you do, you do things yeah. as a radio. With all the people that we've had on, all the things we talked about that no one else talked about, oh, yeah. 
is a huge mm-hmm. resource. Mm-hmm. Plus our satire beats. Definitely. But it was just that, that, that time, that unique time when we were all being totally oppressed. Everybody was scared to death, except, you know, those of us who didn't care realized it was all a farce and a hoax. That uh, once you mm-hmm. had COVID, you got over it like anything else. Like flu bug, you got over it? Don't worry about it. I didn't. Yeah. Scared the hell out of people. What's wrong with you? Aren't you worried about COVID? Yes. No. Why not? Because I had no. it. No. You get it again. No, I can't. Yeah. I'm immune. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> Go ahead. Wear your, mask. wear your mask in your car. Wind the windows up tight. Don't use the air conditioning because yeah. that brings in outside air. You never know. Better recirculate that air right. inside there so you don't get any COVID. <laughs> I joke with yeah, I, oh, I no. people I, in cars with their masks. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I, I found that hysterical, too. You were you were going right into what I was going to say, the people that wore their masks inside the car. It's the same thing as, as that meme that kind of, like, circulated Facebook and social media for quite a while is someone wearing a seatbelt in public, just strapped around in seatbelt, walking around. Well, I want to be safe. You're not in a yeah, car. Or, you're I'm, walking. Doing, I'm doing this for your <laughs> protection. strapped in. Yeah. yeah, I'm doing this for your protection. <laughs> yes. I should have done that. Yep, I should have found exactly. a seatbelt. I know some auto people. I could have walked around with it. We were just wearing a seatbelt. What are you doing that for? Well, I'm keeping, I'm keeping you safe. <laughs> uh, right. Exactly. You could have even had a sign that said, I'm marked safe from, you know, not being in harm's way, going around. And day one of being marked safe, day two, day 362 of being marked safe in public. So where were you three your years ago? Safety. I would have made, would have made a video during COVID, you know, walking around without yeah. a mask. It says, I don't need a mask. I'm wearing a seatbelt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I would have done that. Exactly. I would have had a friend film no, me I... walking down the street. Hey, everybody. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm doing this for your protection, yeah. just to get the reaction. So that would be hysterical. Well, I've always liked candid camera. Do you remember candid camera? Yes. We oh, I love candid like camera. It. Yes. Yeah. Where is that today? Uh, you know, there's so actually, to- I think, a Canadian, Canadian somewhat version of it when it comes to, like, filming things that happen like that. I know my brother stumbled across it on a Roku channel, and it was hysterical. Like, all of these little incidents where the, the camera's filming, and you, you just see the reactions of public from crazy things happening. I'll have to look it up and get, get it for you, get the details. But you'd love it. Well, actually, Canon Camera is everybody's video now because you don't really need a TV show on True. it. Because there's so many people. Just, it's amazing what's being videoed. You know, we're documenting mm-hmm. our lives like never before. Criminals are being caught. You know, the, mm-hmm. the, uh, some of the Antifa thugs that were in, uh, in this group of patriots in Oregon. Uh, when the when the guys right. you know took their masks off, then they, they became a little sheep because yeah. all of a sudden they're identified, and they they pulled one guy. Right. So he always wanted to be in government. You know, he always wanted to be a you know a government stooge, and uh, so uh, mm-hmm. you know once once the masks come off, they become little sheepy wimps. You know, it's it's pretty, well, it's pretty it, incredible. Yeah, it is incredible, and and there's a lot of truth that can be exposed, but there's also caution that needs to be played out because if you look at the whole George Floyd case, it all depended on the camera angle, and what they were pushing was the footage of people that helped to feed the the whole news feed that you know Derek Chauvin had his knee on his chest or on on the back of his neck, sorry, and it depended on you know the the camera angle, and footage came out later that the court didn't want to see that showed that it really wasn't what it appeared to be. So you have well, to use caution. The coroner, ruled, the coroner ruled his death a, a fentanyl overdose. I mean, that was part of it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That, that was, the, that was yeah. the whole case right there. So there is no case. Exactly. Because he, he didn't die. Right. Shulman didn't kill him. Shulman? Whatever his and name that, is. Yeah. I think it's Chauvin. I think it's Chauvin. But that Chauvin. being said, that poor guy is locked up in solitary confinement for 23 hours a day. Uh-huh. Because yeah. because George Floyd died of a fentanyl overdose, and they wanted to pin it on, you know, BLM needed somebody to the take that. Yeah. The white guy. Absolutely. Yeah. The white guy. Yeah. Yeah. So if George, if, if a black officer had his knee on, on uh, Floyd to keep him from mm-hmm. going crazy because he was on, he was dying of a drug overdose, um, mm-hmm. would there have been a case? Probably not. You know? No. So this, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I always say that whenever people, you know, whenever the subject George Floyd, come, George Floyd comes up, you, you have to say every single time, yeah, George Floyd, who died of a drug overdose. You yeah. know, and then you've got to say that. Or it's like I don't let people say Biden administration or President Biden on my show because I refuse to let anybody acknowledge the coup. Unless like a really mm-hmm. big guest, you know, like a Trump senior advisor, I'll let them get away with it. But for the most part, you can't say that on my show. Why? Because I refuse yeah. to acknowledge the coup. And anybody that says that, and if you go through life and, and the tolerance, here's something we've got about five minutes left. Actually, we've got the whole rest of the show if you want. I don't care. Uh, you may have to go. But um, <laughs> the, the tolerance, well, the next hour is open. Isn't that convenient? Wow. Um, yeah, I know. That's great. I'll, yeah, well, if you got the time, you know, I'll take a break, get a cup of coffee, you know, refresh, replenish, and uh, we can start again for the next hour because we certainly have enough issues to talk about. Again, it's some articles and things. Um, but, um, but the tolerance, the thing that bothers me the most, on Independence Day is the hypocrisy of celebrating our independence while we have an illegal government that was stolen by a coup where the government chose the government and destroyed our country. That's the ultimate yeah. hypocrisy. How do you celebrate it? That's why I wasn't too crazy about the fireworks. I mean, I wanted to watch them because they're, you know, to hear them out my window. Um, but the point is, mm-hmm. what are you celebrating, people? How do you celebrate exactly. Exactly. the fact that our government has been stolen, that mm-hmm. nobody's doing anything about it? that our, our founders, the, the signers of the Declaration of Independence, most of them were either killed, captured, had their property destroyed, their family was killed or captured, uh, or their lives were destroyed. All of them suffered huge consequences. They, they lost everything to declare independence from, from England. And yet not one single member of Congress, even my own Congressman, Matt Gates, has got up and sacrificed anything to get rid of the coup. Not one. I know. I know. It's, it's, it's tyranny. It's just pure tyranny. And, and it's disheartening it's to me because, yeah, it is acceptance. acceptance. It, and it's bothers. complacency. Yeah. It's a lot of people that are just complacent and don't want to do anything about it. And they want to sit there and say, well, somebody else can fix the problem. And it starts at the grassroots level, which is what we've seen rise up in the past few years because people were angry about what happened in 2020. And right. I'm, I'm one of those people who, you know, I, I always enjoyed politics. I would get in on it. But when, when the whole Trump administration came in in 2016, I was rallying behind him and saying, this guy is like the best thing since Reagan. I, I loved his philosophy for getting our country first again. And yet all of these people that hated the orange man came out and kept saying, not my president. And nothing irritated me more than those people decreeing that. And now we have the coup of the Biden. And I'm Brandon, the one that's like, not, not president. my president. He is yeah, Brandon. not our president. For real. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. He really isn't. He is not our president. Whatever means they used to get him in there was all a farce. And the fact that he's even running again is laughable. He's a puppet. He's a complete puppet. And whoever is pulling the strings thinks that they have the country by the um, by the golden eggs, and they're just going to keep doing what they want to do. And I was thinking short hairs, but I've never heard the golden egg. <laughs> go, right in. go right in for the kill, Greg. <laughs> Did you make that up, or have you? you is that a, I've never heard that before. I, I was trying to be a little polite, but you know, I know Spanish, and so in in uh, in Spanish it would be like cajones. So it's basically the golden yeah, egg. Yeah, I know what that means too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let, let's give you the, the the Chinese Gong Award for that. Oh, thank you. All right. <laughs> yes, yeah, so the order of the Wuhan Good. So they've got to buy the golden eggs. I have to use that again. By the golden that. eggs. Or the golden egg drop are. soup. <laughs> oh, my God. You're funny. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah but it's just, Yeah. We'll see what happens. You know, and how do you, you know, and if I ask people that on the street, and there's be another, like, person on the street interview kind of thing, you know, how do you, how do you celebrate independence when our country, when our government's been stolen? 
you know, and where is the um, where is the House uh, Select Committee on the stolen 2020 election? That should have been done day one. You know, oh, yeah. But, but with Kevin McDeep's state, <laughs> his whole purpose is mm-hmm. to sidetrack, yes. you know, the Republican Party, just like um, Paul, what's his name before, Paul Ryan. Yeah. His job was and to make so- nothing Republican came out of the Republican Congress. And McDeep State's doing the same thing. I know. I know. And somebody needs to wake up and start doing what the American people are crying out for. The the real American people, not the ones that have been brainwashed. I know, here we are, right? We we are, right are speaking out the truth. Yes. Well that's yeah, I know. Question. More more people as, as, need to speak out. Yeah. But as a media person, wouldn't you think that the Republican Party would embrace what we're doing, these wonderful laws that they don't have the courage to write. Yeah. They can say, we didn't write them, they did. You know, or where's the mm-hmm. conservative media? Where are the conservative pundits? Where is the, the Victor Davis Hanson, whose article I have here? You know, where are the folks we've had on the show? Peter Navarro, Christina Bob, Ed Dowd, you know, doctors, uh, Robert Malone, Peter McCullough. Uh, we've had some amazing right. people on the show. Brandon Straka from Walkaway. How come they're not carrying a legislation? When we're trying to get RFK on the show, uh, I can't give you all the details yet, but uh, or at least get our bills to him uh, and some other folks. I'd love to get Trump on the show. Have you, uh, have you tried you getting know, right? um, the, the founder of Veritas? I forget his name, but he'd be a great one, Oh, too. yeah. James O'Keefe, yeah, I've written him a bunch of times. Actually, mm-hmm. uh, I think I have his somewhat direct email, <laughs> you know, because he, he wrote yeah. back to me on uh, on some stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, let me try that again um, because yeah. I'd love to have him on. Because what I've envisioned – Oh, he'd be great. Long ago, back, oh, yeah, but it, I envisioned back at WBY. So we're talking 2017, 2018, working directly with Project Veritas. So after they uncover yeah. their, their investigations, we write corrective legislation and we lobby it together. So, yeah. but uh, there, That's, see, there's a, there's a, there's a thing in journalism. First of all, let me, let me ask you if you have, uh, do you have the next hour? Can you stick around some more? Um, I can maybe give you another 15 minutes. That's about as far as I all can right. go. I've got to get a couple of other things done. That's fine. I'll take a break then. Um, but where, where's the disconnect with journalists? They refuse to go. And I've, I've talked to several journalists, you know, off the air. So I'll mention who they are. Um, but uh, I'm like, why can't you report on our bills? as an alternative why can't you offer solutions why can't you become as i call it conservative this is for you too maybe conservative news advocates so in other words you're you're you know you're because there are no journalists anymore really there are there are I know. propaganda who work directly with the democrat party and they're conservatives pretending to be objective journalists when nothing's objective anymore so what's going on right i don't know as, aside from getting them broken down to the level of when they are in college and they're they're grooming them at that point and they're saying listen you're not allowed to report the truth because if you do you'll be taken down and i have my own theories about that when it comes to the infiltration of the communist party in china the ccp i think that a lot of it is being shut down so that they can as you said basically steer the agenda towards the left i don't know where the brave ones are unless they're being taken off the scene from the very beginning if there are people that are unbendable and saying no i want to report the truth I can only imagine that they're being shut down with either another monetary increase of a job in a different field, or they're just, I hate to say it, but they're just being taken away from the scene. I'm like, I don't want to go dark, but it's possible that they really are just getting rid of them behind the scenes before anybody knows who they are. I wish that oh, more people would speak the them. truth. I don't think they're, I don't or think not they're hiring. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I know that that's happening. But, when it comes to not hiring them, Absolutely. So let's let's do a little investigation if you're interested in this for Action Radio, maybe your own show too. How much the Chinese Communist Party 
through our own government, because we know our own government loves to censor, uh, how much are they actually mm-hmm. directing, not just funding, but directing uh, the policies and the information taught at uh, journalism schools? And let's go, let's go to the big one, Columbia. Let's pull up, let's pull up right now, actually, just for the fun of it. Let's pull up their syllabus. Uh, let's see what, they, what they're making them study. We did this before, too. We did a show on uh, Phillips Exeter Academy. I want to I know what the rich kids were studying. You know the privileged, mm-hmm. you know, and it was pretty funny. Yeah, so right. So Columbia School. Yeah. I'm writing around my cell phone, so if I cut you off, I'll just call back. Yes. Okay. Of uh, journalism. What did put course offerings? Course offerings or syllabus? I assume. Yeah, let's see that. Journalism. Class. Columbia Journalism. Here we go. Columbia mm-hmm. Journalism School. Okay. And then they got the, yeah. the, the requisite. Close that. And I say uh, 800 words. Kevin Coyne, newspapers may be shrinking, but the most versatile, durable, readable literary form they gave us, the column, is flourishing. Yeah, it is here at Action Radio, too, by the way. Uh, algorithms. They actually have a course right. on algorithms. Machine oh, learning. Oh, yeah, and they do. And if you scroll down a little go bit, go you're going to see something really interesting with the word China in it. This is fascinating. Audio one, this course teaches mm-hmm. fundamental and advanced techniques of field reporting and writing in audio or radio media. Book writing, business and economic reporting. Oh, let's see. By James Stewart, not the actor. It says no. money and power go hand in hand, never more so than now. Yeah, no kidding. A basic understanding no of business and economics can help students in any line of journalism, from sports to fashion. This is like a marketing course for journalism majors. Business and finance. Yeah. Oh, here it is. China Seminar. China I Seminar. Howard W. French. In the years. Yes. Let me, let me do my, uh, my apologies to, to uh, Asian folks who might be offended by this. And now the China <laughs> Seminar with Howard W. French. In the years and decades ahead, China will powerfully shape the world in both ways that are already becoming evident and in others as yet still unexpected. If you are interested in global reporting, whether you come from and whatever report of the world you wish to report on, having a nuanced grasp of a fast-changing and dynamic China will be indispensable for writing smartly about international affairs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And interestingly enough, I passed a, a Chinese restaurant not that like a few days ago, and the name of it was the Ho Ping House. And it went right up there with the bookstore name that you were giving me because I was, I was going, oh, Ho Ping House. I hoping this good place to go. I hoping, and that goes right into the. I hoping this good course. <laughs> well, for those that don't know, the, the the bookstore, and this is I found this meme years ago, and I, I repost it every once in a while just because it cracks me up. It's the Wong W O N G, Fook mm-hmm. F O O K Ping H I N G, store bookstore. Yeah. So the the Wong. Uh, let me separate the words here because we don't get in trouble. Well, actually, we can't. We're not FCC regulated. <laughs> Wong Fook King Bookstore. So I'll let you people put it together. Yes. If, you, if you can't put it oh, together, yeah. just play my uh, play the podcast faster. That's right. <laughs> oh, here's one. Check this out. This is a course on conceptual journalism. What the hell is that? <laughs> conceptual? Oh, computational journalism. Oh, God, I'm sorry. I, I computational. see the computational. Yeah, yeah. data Look code and algorithms reshaping. Yeah, I have a reading problem, by the way. This is why I have trouble reading articles, yeah. even though I do it. 
This course <laughs> unpacks the ways in which data, sorry, data code and algorithms are reached. I'm dyslexic as all hell. I just, I, I never really realized it. I reverse numbers, letters. I mean, I, I figure what, this is why I can't read. Because, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know how I do the show, quite frankly. I think it's just pure improv. Because <laughs> my brain works. <laughs> I think the, so. reading, the reading and the numbers <laughs> don't get in the way they're supposed to. So it's just, you know, anyway, right. I, 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 I find it easier to write a book than read one. Don't ask me why. I'm just a little weird. That's anyway, all right. Computational journalism. This course unpacks the ways in which yes. data, code, and algorithms are reshaping systems of power in the world. So in other words, they're learning how to use algorithms and data mm-hmm. and code to, to uh, you know, propagandize the message. Oh, here's one covering American politics. Bingo. Are you on the same website yeah. I am? You must be. I am on okay. the same website oh. you are. Yeah, and 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 looking down, they're even going deeper into it because they're covering climate after the American politics. So that that feeds right into our why, whole why climate agenda, do, global warming. Why don't you take covering American politics and then covering climate? So covering American politics, okay. go for it. What do you think? Of- <laughs> oh well, basically, okay. So it's saying the purpose is to equip students to cover American politics and elections in original, lively, and sophisticated ways. It will combine instruction in the subject matter and structure of American politics with workshops on specialized reporting and writing methods. I can only imagine the type of writing methods that they're steering them towards. We're going to enrich the knowledge by studying the history of populism, the quasi-science of public opinion polling, and shifts in the electoral college. Quasi. Quasi-science. So apparently... Public opinion polling is a quasi-science, Greg. It is not um, going out on the streets and basically taking down answers. So I did not know Family Feud was based on quasi-science because, you know, they always poll 100 people, and the most popular answer is number one on the board. Oh, no, it it's a quasi-science. Read, read further, the, starting with the Electoral College. It gets better. I just read a little bit into it. Keep going. And Right, and voter issues such as gun violence and inequality. We all know how important it is to get that out there. We can't Wait have gun violence. That's a violation. But they didn't say Second yes. Amendment rights or, or right. government discrimination. So this is the, the bias no. is so bad here. Yeah, yeah. But here's the yeah, one that I think everybody straight up over. propaganda. So, so wait a minute. So, so students have to cover American politics and elections in original ways. What are you going to make up? In original stuff? ways. Original yes. ways. So we're not going to cover it. We're not going to cover it in journalistic ways. We're not going to cover it objectively. We're going to cover it in original no. ways. In other words, making stuff up. In original up. ways. Then, then bingo. And then says, bingo. What does the word? Yeah. What does the word lively mean to you? Oh, exciting! So we need to make sure that we've got some action going on. There's gun violence in Wisconsin. Let's cover it. Yes. Let's go get well, my first thought was entertaining. Shooting. So they take politics and they make it entertaining. Right. Of course. Of so course. here's the most important. Yes. Sophisticated. What does it, where does the sophisticated. word sophisticated come from? Where does that come from? Uh, well, I don't know where the origination of the word sophistication comes from, but I know that if they're going to be covering news in a sophisticated way, I think that means that they have to have a designer suit. I think that's what's <laughs> required. No, it comes from the word sophistry. Okay. You know what sophistry is? Why? I do not. Yeah, sophistry. <laughs> The use of fallacious arguments, especially with the intention of deceiving. Oh, my gosh. So, so if you use sophisticated, sophisticated is the, is the camouflage way of saying sophistry. In other words, lying. So what they're teaching yes. here is to come up with brand new ways to report that aren't objective, that are entertaining mm-hmm. so people don't know what's going on, and how to lie. That's just what they said in that first sentence. 
And that's covering American politics, which is the biggest subject that they need to lie about right there. I mean, really, you could sum up the entire Columbia journalism class with that one curriculum specific. Uh (laughs) This is is actually really interesting. I'm glad we did this. Uh, You want to do covering climate story and animation? (laughs) Sure. Sure. I can only imagine the animation on that. Students in this class will learn how to report on the many stories of climate change because there are many stories, Greg. Many, many, many stories. They're all stories. They will learn. That's the problem. They are stories. <laughs> They're all made up. But we all know the penguins are dying. So and the polar bears are phasing out. So we've got to we've got to interview each and every mama polar bear and get their perspective on climate change. Do you think your cub is at danger of dying, mama bear? Yeah, I'll take that as a yes. They will well, they learn the underlying there science. Is a gaining... I'm sorry, go ahead. Right. There should be a polar bear lobby. I think that's a great idea. And in fact, I expect that to happen within the next year. If it doesn't, I'll be highly disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> they, they will learn the underlying science, gaining skills and techniques they can apply to reporting on science and environmental issues generally. And they will learn how to think about and explore the ways climate intersects with nearly Every aspect of global society, including health, psychology, immigration, and infrastructure. Stop so right there. Because of climate. Yeah, I'm stopping. Go ahead. Yes. What do you think? I, I'm, I'm starting with every aspect of global society. So basically, um, every sickness known to man is in the health category. So climate is directly responsible for everything from chickenpox to AIDS clearly, because it includes our health. Psychology, going one step further, that's why we have sad seasonal depression disorder. But going one step further, that's probably why they're violating and having gun violence, because, you know, they have psychological issues from the fact that it's five degrees warmer than it was 2,000 years ago. Makes perfect sense (laughs) to me. I mean, (laughs) exactly, exactly. And immigration, because everybody is clearly fleeing South America to come to America, North America, because of oh, climate change. You know, the place would be to yeah. head further south, wouldn't it, to the Antarctic? It would. It's a lot closer. In fact, I would highly encourage, hey, people, the penguins and uh, polar bears are starting a lobby. Please flee to Antarctica and start interviewing them and come back with all of your reports, and we will put something together to help back up your story. And you can have a happier life there. If you're hot, just go south. <laughs> I hate to tell you this, but they don't have polar bears in the Antarctic, only in the Arctic. And they don't that's have penguins true. in the Arctic, only the Antarctic. we got to separate her. It's, the, it's in the interest of accuracy. That, but think about this. I thought Antarctica Global was the society. south one. Isn't the, polar, isn't the polar north Arctic and the Antarctica south? Do I have that backwards? I'm pretty sure Antarctica is the southern pole. It is. But the Antarctica is where the penguins are. The, the Arctic up north is where the polar bears are. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Separate the two. Sorry. My mistake. Yeah. Well, don't worry about it. A little action radio humor and uh, correction, and uh, we do it all the time. Um, <laughs> feel free to do the same for me because I screw up things constantly. Um, but here's – this is fascinating to me. So it says they will learn the underlying science. Okay, just out of curiosity, let me use you an example in the two minutes we have remaining. Tell me the underlying science of climate change. Well, the underlying science is probably due to the um, – Pollution that's in every single country has gone into the atmosphere and suddenly made tsunamis and earthquakes and hurricanes much more prominent. And therefore, also the water's been getting gradually deeper and deeper and deeper. And eventually, California is going to fall off the United States because it's going to be submerged. And so 
the underlying science behind it is we have to stop polluting and go green. According to all of the administrators, buy a Tesla and you won't pollute the air anymore and make sure that you don't have cows in a field because their methane gas is going to screw everything up and bring acid rain on us and we're all going to die and we're going to be in a zombie apocalypse. So we're going to teach you the science behind this so you can go out on the streets and take your quasi-science public polling and ask people about how it's affecting them, come back and Mm. be scared to death. So let the government tell you what you need to do. Stay in your house, put on your mask, follow our orders, and you'll be fine. That's the underlying science. And now, back to you. (laughs) Can we audit one of these courses? Can we, like, take one, just show up in New York and just take one of these courses and then ask questions? Wouldn't that be great? Just one. That would be great. Yeah. That's all it would take. You know we'd be shut down. They would literally say, hey, you in the back, quit asking questions. I can't get my propaganda out. (laughs) Exactly. You're messing with my narrative. How dare you? Yes. Let me me give you something you can use for against the the, the climate reality deniers, which is everybody that believes in this nonsense. Um, One of the sources you want to look at is the CO2 Coalition. That's Gregory Wrightstone. He's Mm -hmm. a friend of mine. And he's a climate geologist. So what, what that means is he goes into ice packs from a million years ago and, and, and mm-hmm. drills up the ice uh, and actually studies the climate in that way. And so they've measured all kinds of stuff. And the climate's been quite fine, actually. Um, what the, the, the myth is is that uh, CO2 creates global warming. It's actually the other way around. When the Earth warms naturally because we're between ice ages, that's what happens when you're between mm-hmm. ice ages. The Earth warms up until it starts cooling down again, mm-hmm. heading for another ice age. Ice ages suck, quite frankly. Most of the world is covered with ice. It's, it's hundreds of feet thick, and nothing happens. You know, or, you know, human population, you want to talk about something that will kill billions of people? Because we can't squeeze the population along the equator. is isn't going to happen. Right. All right. right. So, so an ice age is a bad thing, prolong it as long mm-hmm. as possible. Uh, at that point, we'll have to mm-hmm. go to Andromeda in the next galaxy or who knows where. We're going to find whatever other planet can support us. Um, because that, right. But we've got... I don't know, fifty, hundred thousand years to, to get that get that right. However long it takes. Right. The, point is, <laughs> the point is that when there's more uh, when the air is warmer, it can hold more CO two. When the air holds more CO two, that means more plants can breathe. When more plants breathe, they produce more food, which means more people can live. So actually the warming of the earth is the greatest factor in, in human advancement because you look at uh, all the times that we advance as human beings, it all happened during warming periods. The Renaissance was during a warming mm-hmm. period. The medieval time mm-hmm. is during the cooling period. And so it's fascinating mm-hmm. how this works. Um, and so a couple of facts to keep in mind. One, ask, ask the global warming, next global warming person you see, ask them how much of the air uh, is carbon dioxide. And they won't know. Okay? They think it's probably a huge percent. But do you know the percentage of air? Mm-hmm. Do you know how the air works, the atmosphere? Another quick, uh, well, uh, quick science lesson. Well, the other part of the air, obviously, the largest part is oxygen. There's nitrogen, and then there's CO2. I don't remember my percentages offhand, but I do remember learning that oxygen is the largest part. Yeah, it's about 70. No, it's actually 72% nitrogen, but 22% oxygen, about 1% everything else. Gotcha. Yeah. So carbon dioxide represents less than 1% of all the air up there. Right. So I use this example. If you take a colander, all right, and you have less than 1% coverage, and you pour your spaghetti in, how much is it going to get mm-hmm. saved? One strand, maybe, <laughs> maybe two on a good day. Yeah. yeah. The point is that uh, most of it's going to go through. So the right. idea that carbon dioxide can reflect back anything is absurd. There's enough of it up there. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so you ask people that. So how can less than 1% of the atmosphere reflect back anything? It can't. So you can destroy these yeah. people with basic – they don't know basic – now, they're not teaching that at Columbia because if they were, there would be no, no. problem. 
or class. Exactly. By Marguerite Holloway. Covering climate story yeah. and animation. The, the rest of do you have a couple more minutes or do you have to go? I mean, I know you said nice. Oh, we, can, we, can finish, we can finish this, this topic. Can go. All right. But, yeah. So, so read, read the rest of it from starting with students. Uh, this is so, so students will write several stories, largely focusing on New York City and the region. At the same time, they will develop the skills needed to produce a visually compelling narrative using Adobe software, such as Photoshop, Premiere Wait, Pro, and After Effects. Isn't Photoshop a yes. lie? Isn't that what you do? Photoshop what is a lie. You can two? turn a sky purple with, with green stripes if you want and say, hey, look at this. This is a shot from Saskatchewan, and the sky is turning this color. We need to stop global warming. <laughs> you can, be, you can have Photoshop do anything you want. Absolutely. Oh, so and and they're going to. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's definitely part of the lie. Absolutely. What are the other two? I have not I heard of After Effects, but just the word after effects implies that you're taking a photo and you're to it after the reality hits and messing with it in any way that you want. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, the name I'm itself, that's just what I think of. Yeah, and I'm then a, you're going to learn the elements of design and visual right. presentation as they create an animated piece that will be the capstone of the semester. The capstone. That, that's like super important when you have a capstone. And so you're having an animated piece that's the capstone of the course. And the climate change is the story of the century, apparently. Apparently, it's more important than anything else is climate change. It says it right there. It's the story of oh, the century. Must be important. It must be. Read the next one. It must be. The next, yeah. the, and the course will help students learn how to cover it correctly, comprehensively, <laughs> and I love the last part, creatively. <laughs> oh, I like, I like all three. What do you mean cover it correctly? Yeah. What does that mean? Well, if they – uh, that's a great point. Like, if you're going to cover it correctly, does that mean it's going to be scientifically? Could they could they not insert accurately instead of correctly, like truthfully? Or is it correctly well, according to Marguerite Holloway? They said cover it correctly. Right. So, so that's I know. The question, according to whom? So it, it, uh, so that's my point. Go. According to Marguerite yeah. Holloway, apparently, who is the professor of the course. Animation. Well, we know that it's uh, they want to have every aspect of global society, including health, psychology, immigration, and infrastructure. So how do you cover mm-hmm. climate change correctly to cover psychology or immigration or infrastructure or health? Right. And then right. Well, the only way you can do that is – Yeah. well, you can make up some creative, creative um, facts, if you will. Well, they probably will call them facts, but they're just going to be creative figures. So they can cover it correctly by including statistics on health and say, well, cancer rates are rising in Detroit, Michigan, or Flint, Michigan, better yet, because of all of the contamination that was in the water that we've all been told about, and now this is affecting California. And let's Uh show you how it's going to affect South America before too long, and all of the (laughs) polar bears in the Arctic Circle. (laughs) Yep, and then they have to do it creatively. So how do you do it correctly? Creatively, with animation. Well, oh, I okay. think that, you know, remember remember the liberal colleges that have those dancers that go outside and they do their creative dance? You know, they're like the, making the rain come down and they're like flailing all about. You kind of remember some of those courses that you've seen in liberal, oh, yeah. arts, liberal arts colleges? I can kind of envision that a creative climate story would be an animated version of that. So I'm envisioning the polar bears doing interpretive dance on their floating away icebergs. And, and they're, they're crying out for Mother Earth. And saying, you know, please stop poisoning our air. We can't live anymore. There's no fish in the sea. And you, you need you, to think of us. 
You know anybody that does animation? Because I had this vision of the polar bears doing the Macarena with Al Gore. <laughs> the Macarena, was, that's great. But, yeah, so or they could have gotta, Hula gotta, Skirts on, too. You gotta find someone that can animate. We need a cartoon for Action Radio with polar bears doing the Macarena, standing up, uh, with Al Gore in the middle, you know, begging for, for climate change. That would be hysterical. I think on one side Al Gore's is gonna be beg for climate change and on the other side he's gonna say, Please disregard my private jet because you have to have the hypocrisy within the skit. So let's talk about immigration just as one last topic here. So if you believe sure. that people are the cause of the problem because they're burning fossil fuels, which we call organic, mm-hmm. uh, if they're taking up space, if they're requiring more roads to be built and things like that, how can you tolerate illegal aliens? Aren't they destroying our climate? Mm-hmm. Well, they definitely are. And, and any job that they work in is contributing to the destruction of humanity because a lot of them do take jobs in agriculture, jobs in industry they're coming in and just contributing like that but that's overlooked like we don't yeah. we won't talk about that we're, we're going to make sure that here in our country and able to vote disregard the fact that they're leaving that larger carbon footprint if you will that they love to use the terminology on but it's because they're leaving their country ways. which is even worse yeah but you can't have it both ways because if people are bad no you can't and if you're bringing in millions of illegal aliens it's going to it's going to affect the climate of the united states I just find that fascinating. Definitely. You know what's missing? Definitely. What's, what's missing from, from all these courses? Um, well, when it comes to everything that we're looking at, what's missing is probably truth and, and accuracy because they're covering every single other aspect, sexuality and gender, race, religion, criticism, and data. But where is interviewing people and getting truth? Where's a writing course? What do you think? Other than deadline writing, which is a time thing. There's, there's deadline writing. writing. I was about to say I saw deadline writing. Yeah, but there's, 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 yeah, no, other, there's no other writing course. Well, there is a, a course here called Evidence and Inference. If you go to the load more, there's a few more alphabetically. Evidence and inference? In other words, making up stuff evidence from the evidence? Evidence and inference. Yeah, testing assumptions. Oh, here's and the directly underneath journal. that, there is writing yeah. true stories. Feature journalism <laughs> writing true stories. <laughs> what other stories are okay? So here's what the writing courses are: feature writing, uh, food mm-hmm. writing, foundation of computing, mm-hmm. gender and migration, <laughs> how to cover yep. armies yep. and spies. <laughs> armies and spies. Yes, right. I saw that too. This is funny. Information and warfare, warfare reporting. reporting. How to report in a hostile information environment? What like where the people are telling the truth? <laughs> like a conservative right. newsroom. Well, did yes. it say that? How to report yes. conservative news? Let's take a look. I wish it did. It doesn't. Oh, wait a minute. The convergence of no. all types of information in the digital formats has created new and confusing information landscape for both consumers and practitioners. Fake news campaigns into everything from healthcare da, 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 to go- influencing government and radicalizing populations to acts of violence, whether it's J6 or terrorism. Mm-hmm. I think they mentioned the fake election. Uh, or they said, well, the election hoax. Well, it's not, it's not a hoax. It really was stolen. Uh, okay, yeah. Well, so, okay, and fine. via yeah. the anti-vax movement, and right at the top where it says fake news campaigns aimed at everything from healthcare via the anti-vax oh, movement. Oh, there it is. Yeah, I missed that. Yeah, okay. Through to influencing government and radicalizing populations. Yeah, in other words, not following yeah. what we tell them. Yeah. Exactly. We could yeah. do this all day. Anything I'm that I'm glad we went down. This, oh, we could. This, this, this rabbit hole, as they say. So. 
yeah. I, what it convinces me is I don't ever want anybody working for Action Radio who went to the Columbia School of Journalism. <laughs> I don't think you have to worry about that. Anybody that gets through the Columbia course and agrees with all of this stuff is not going to be working in anything that speaks truth. They're going to be going right into the field of the leftist propaganda journalism. They'll be on CNN with Don Lemon and reporting their own truth. Dangerous for democracy. <laughs> because anything that contradicts the CCP or the liberal agenda is dangerous. Well, so getting back to my uh, original idea for you, if you want to look into the Chinese Communist Party, the CCP influence on our journalism mm-hmm. skills, either direct, either by spy, either by curriculum choice, either by technology, anything, anything you find mm-hmm. out would be fascinating. Just curious. I'll see what I can dig up. Yeah. yeah. So I got some extra time out of you. That was good. I'm, I'm bad at that. I just yeah, you did. keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> so let's plug your show. Let's, let's if, give any kind of contact information, websites, anything you want to do. And let's get you back here next Wednesday. Sure. Oh, boy, this is fun. Yes, I will be back next Wednesday. Well, you can download the app at WFRN.com, as you like to call it, Fern Radio, which cracks me up. But that's WFRN.com on Saturday morning. Yeah, What's that? They don't call it Fern Radio? What's wrong with them? They don't. No, no, they don't. Like I was explaining to you last week, it is the uh, your friend of the family. And so it, it kind of looks like friend, but you were like, no, it really looks like Fern because <laughs> there's no D. But you're, you're absolutely radio. right. I've been laughing at that all week. I know. All Fern Radio all the time. Well, but, uh, Fern Radio. We're no, it is, it's here. not Fern. we to take care of your plants, how to go to our Fern Bar. We have a wonderful time here with right? our, friends, our little plant friends. So come on and join us here. It's a friendly little place. Bring you a cup of coffee, sit down, and have a great time at Fern Radio. You're home for free. Yep. I have that voice permanently in my head now. But, yes, it is WFRN.com. And then I also I also have um, two cookbooks out, which I don't even know if I told you. I published cookbooks about four years ago. No. And I have a website selling, yes, yes, I did publish two. And I my name is Bonnie Appetit on the cookbooks, so I have my own website selling that, and that's Bonnie-Appetit.com. You can also find them on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iUniverse.com. These are these are uh, food books, I take it. Yeah, I mean they are my life's work. I basically put together two separate cookbooks. They're very very thick. Each of them, one of them is is geared more towards breakfast and quick put together dinners. The other one is more elegant, like you want to put on a full spread for the holiday. It's elegant, entertaining, and holidays. But um, what I what I did that was unique is I put together an entire menu. So a lot of times people pick up a cookbook and they're like, oh, this has a great salad recipe or a great meat recipe. But I put the whole meal together. So you have your appetizer and your main dish, your side dish, and your dessert. No guesswork. It's all done for you. And I had that concept in mind when I did it. I took all my own photographs. And between the two books, I have over 1,000 recipes. It's insane. I love to cook. So this and is my passion. you're only sharing this with me now? <laughs> I know. I should have told you sooner. I thought maybe Miss Wendy would have told you. But, yeah, I, I definitely put my heart and soul into those books. That was my first venture into the communication field after many years of not being in it was being able to get a book published. Once I went there, now things are just opening wide up. So if you love to cook and you want to take the guesswork out of planning, check it out. Bonnie, B-O-N-N-I-E, hyphen, appetit, A-P-P-E-T-I-T dot com. Well, you know we're going to have to add a food segment to your report now. So you got to take uh, – well, uh, uh, you know, I'm all about it. Now. 
yeah, yeah, for whatever yeah. holidays coming up, for whatever time of year, bad mm-hmm. weather, good weather, bad mood, you know, okay. mood food, I mean, anything you want, date food, I don't care. Anything. All right. Yep. All right. I'll keep that in mind and add that as part of my report. Today's daily recipe suggestion is, yeah, and exactly. I'll come up with it. Oh, I love it. You bet. Thank you, buddy. We'll do it again. <laughs> you bet. Thank you for okay. having me, Greg. All right. Oh, you too. All right. There we go. Bunny Nesbitt, uh, who's a side of her I didn't even know until literally just, you know, two minutes ago. So that's kind of fascinating. It is 931. We're going to take a quick break now and come back with probably one of the 16 articles I have prepared for today and talk a little bit. Anybody wants to join us, 215-383-3832. And also we have live chat. Uh, and we also have a live Skype line for anybody calling in around the world. You call in usually the, the day before, and I'll, I'll okay your account, and then you can call in and go directly to the show. So that's how we do things here. Play some stuff, and I'll be right back. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stores Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stores Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H-Care.com. 
You can email them at gracecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Grace Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take, that is Action Radio. Yeah, and I'm on the cell phone today because the uh, what's interesting little whooshing sound on that. I haven't heard that before. It's weird listening to yourself on the on a cell phone because I'm I'm talking you know directly into my radio show now, but it's hysterical that um, you know when I hear when I play the recordings with my own voice. I mean they're weird enough on the headphone, but I'm used to that. But hearing my voice come out of a cell phone, that's a little crazy. Anyway, um, so. I got one article, actually a couple of articles to to talk about, um, but I want to get to. Well, I have a lot to. I'd much rather talk to people. It's it's much more fun. I read the articles on my own and just use that information. But it's it's people are much more more fun to chat with. So this article is going to block out live chat, so I might miss a comment if you put one there. Uh, if you call, I've got enough room to see the phone calls coming in. Two one five three eight three three eight three two. So we had a guest yesterday uh, who I was really impressed with. I was really glad to have her on. G Van Fleet. That's X I V A N F L E E T. Wrote an article July 4th, yesterday, uh, in Town Hall. I don't know. I'm to see if I can write for Town Hall. Uh, I wonder if they take my article. <laughs> it would be kind of interesting. Uh, we should, I'll have to ask you about that. But what I'm thinking is is that uh, uh, she'd be an amazing lobbyist uh, for Action Radio in Congress. And it's just uh, it would be a dynamite thing. But she was so impressive yesterday with her comments about communist China. And then, of course, Brianna was really impressive. Uh, Jerome Bell was really impressive. Brianna Cannon does our government inquiry report. We kind of took her time because it was a holiday um, for that report. Wendy was great. I mean, all the folks, it's just, we have such an amazing group of people here, uh, all fighters, all independents, all fearless, and we just do what we do, uh, from teenagers to older folks, and we just we just carry on. Anyway, so Xi, I'm going to talk to you hopefully soon, and I'll propose the idea off the air, give her a chance to think about it, and then say, hey, you want to be our lobbyist? <laughs> because, you know, I think it'd be great. So she wrote an article. Uh, again, she grew up under under communism, under Mao Zedong as a child, and then escaped from that. And I'm curious how uh, to come to the United States. So she says, this is town hall yesterday. Uh, an immigrant's plea to preserve the American dream this Independence Day. A lot of the kind of stuff we talked about, too. It's, it's quite interesting. There we go. So we get the ads out of the way. She says, on the day of the 4th of July, I asked myself the question, what makes America special? Why, as a young student more than 37 years ago, did I try so desperately hard to come to America? To me, the answer is undoubtedly freedom and the American dream. Growing up during Mao's cultural revolution, we were strangers to individual dreams and freedom. As children, we were taught 
and our dream was to be loyal servants of the big socialist machine. Yeah, not that much has changed. Uh, serving the party and the country. Our freedom was limited to obeying the party. We had nothing. And there's Klaus Schwab's again. You know, you'll have nothing and you'll be happy. Yeah, right. She says, we had nothing, but we were expected to be content. To complain was to risk imprisonment or worse. After coming to America, I wasted no time embracing freedom and pursuing my American dream. I started with nothing. Through hard work and determination, I was able to earn an education, build a career, buy a house, and become a proud member of the middle class. More importantly, I've been able to live life on my own terms, a life defined by freedom. Everyone's American dream is different, but they all rely on the foundational concept of freedom and reaping the benefits of one's labor. Every day I am grateful for the incredible blessings this country has afforded me. However, for a long time, I took freedom and the American dream for granted. I didn't give much thought to the fact that they could be only a generation away from extinction. It never occurred to me that one day I would witness the evil communist ideology taking root in America. Almost 10 years ago, I started to see troubling signs reminiscent of Mao's China, the very place I had fled. Slowly, the radical left infiltrated and gained control over America's major institutions, including our public schools. Yeah, that's why I've long advocated getting rid of the government schools. Uh, she says, Marxist identity politics gradually replaced Dr. Martin Luther King's teachings of judging individuals by their character rather than the color of their skin. Today, children are taught that people are either victims or oppressors based solely on their skin color, a Marxist doctrine familiar to those who grew up in Mao's China. Now, it is evident to anyone that the American dream is slipping away. What's worse, our freedom is also diminishing, particularly the freedom of expression, which is the cornerstone of our republic. People with, quote, incorrect, unquote, political views are denounced as haters, extremists, and bigots, just as in Mao's China. So what's so fascinating to me is how many parallels there are with communist China. And I didn't know. I mean, uh, what we heard about uh, Mao's China, Little Red Book, you know, uh, a totally oppressive dictatorship, 150 million people killed. You know, we knew all that. But what we didn't know is, is how they did it. <clears throat> that was never really talked about. And now we know. You divide the population. You label anybody who disagrees with you as a hater, you know, or, or a mega extremist, as, as uh, illegal Brandon says, and bigots. You know, you, you can't – if you disagree, you're prejudiced. You're a bigot. So in other words, it's not your argument that's the problem. It's you. You're the problem. She says, recently I had a conversation with an Indian mother who moved to the United States in pursuit of the American dream, seeking a better education and greater opportunities for her two sons. However, she shared her concerns about the blatant indoctrination her sons face in school, causing her to question whether she made the right decision. I've heard similar stories from other immigrants, and some are now contemplating an exit strategy from the country they once dreamed of coming to. That's interesting. Although I sympathize with their concerns, I will never abandon America. As a survivor of communism, freedom and the American dream have become sacred to me. There is no substitute for the American dream anywhere in the world. Here in America is where freedom and the American dream will either stand or fall. Agreed. One of my uh, friends I haven't talked to for a long time, but Judy McLeod at uh, Canada Free Press, she's a Canadian journalist, uh, said very clearly that uh, on her website, and it's probably still there, that if America goes, so goes the rest of the world. So we need to make the stand here. We need to defeat the communists here. You know, and where she couldn't even say communist, you know, 10 years ago, because you were looked upon as weird. Now it's perfectly acceptable because the communists really have taken over. And uh, President Trump talks about this all the time. 
Anyway, she says, as an immigrant coming from a country where totalitarianism extinguished the light of freedom, I feel a duty to warn about the dangerous path the radical left is leading America down. That's why I have been speaking out publicly, including through my work with 1776 Action, to expose the threat of the evil Marxist ideology to America. Yeah, would she make a great lobbyist? <laughs> she says, progress is indeed being made. On June 29th, I went to the Supreme Court in D.C. to celebrate his landmark ruling declaring Harvard and the University of North Carolina's race-based admission policies unconstitutional, effectively ending affirmative action. Okay, I'm going to disagree with her a little bit. It didn't end affirmative action in all of government. It ended affirmative action uh, right there uh, at those two universities and throughout the university system. So what it should do, and I don't know how far this is going to go. Now, we've made a, we've made a big deal on this show uh, by talking about how the uh, jurisdiction of the Supreme Court ends with the case. So they are duty-bound to handle all cases that come before them, either original or appellate jurisdiction. In other words, original, it has to go there first. Appellate, it went to a lower court first. All right. uh, they have to handle cases that are, arise you know, in all cases in law and equity, in other words, law and money, that arise under the Constitution. They have to take those cases. All right. And so, but the problem is that a lot of times they'll take a case and they'll take it and make a policy for the nation. So the whole point of the Supreme Court saying that affirmative action is illegal in the universities uh, means it really only extends to Harvard and University of North Carolina because they were the, the parties to the case. Now, it should, um, I don't know if it should, well, it should cover all universities. Um, because, but I don't know, though. In other words, the right thing to do is to end affirmative action in all universities. But if you believe that the Supreme Court cases only cover the case and go no further, then it really only ends at Harvard and University of North Carolina. So this is where the Congress should step in and just deny funds to any university uh, that engages in uh, this ridiculous affirmative action pra- you know, practice. So the Supreme Court leads the way. They say um, they rule based on, on the Constitution, right? equal protection clause. Now, they're not interpreting, they're using. Okay, let's make that really clear. There's no interpretation that the court did. They're not saying, we think the 14th Amendment means this and we're going to apply it this way. That's not what they said. They said the 14th Amendment, you know, guarantees the equal protection of the laws. And if some people are getting an advancement and others are getting denied, that's not equal protection. So that's not interpreting the Constitution. It's just simply using it. And so that's what happened. So they definitely use the Constitution um, in their decision. And that's the way it's supposed to go. So the question is, does that affect any other college that wasn't a party to the case? I would say technically no, but it'd be nice if Congress withheld funding or took some legislative action based on the Supreme Court opinion, which would be the right thing to do. So I'm not sure what's going to happen. I think that hopefully the universities will voluntarily um, stop, stop that practice. I don't know how that's going to work exactly. should be very interesting to see. Anyway, I want to, I want to keep that article up. Yeah, so if she writes for Town Hall, maybe I'm going to send her one of my articles and see if I can, uh, if I can get into Town Hall as well. We'll see. So another article I wanted to cover, and then I might shut down a little early. Um, I had so much fun talking to Bonnie, Wendy, and Bill that it's much better you know, to talk to people on the radio uh, than just read articles. But you know, nobody's here. I, I can do it for an hour, and that's about all I think I'm good for for a day. So American Greatness, one of my favorite media sources, has an article by Victor Davis Hanson from July 3rd. So in other words, the day before the 4th of July. And it says what the 4th of July was not. He's one of the better writers out there, one of the better people. He says our national 4th of July holiday, currently the nation's 247. Yeah, three years and we're 250 years old. Hopefully uh, during the Trump administration, they'll celebrate it properly. Because if if the Democrats are in power, that's going to suck. 
that anniversary is going to be terrible. But if Trump's in power, it's going to be glorious and wonderful and we'll be making America great again. So he says, since the first uh, in 1776 marks the birth of the United States, so 247th this year. He says, the iconic Declaration of Independence was published on the 4th, on the 4th and largely written by Thomas Jefferson. Its core sentence would become among the most famous words in American history. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Let me say that again. Somebody gets it. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. He says, those aspirations at the outset pledged the new American nation to hold its promises that all men were created equal. In other words, the so-called white male establishment, a foundational document, oh, in other words, so-called white males established a foundational document whose inherent logic was that the millions of Americans not yet born who would not necessarily look like them, I always hate that expression, or share their ancestry, uh, would become their political equals. Most nation founders do not envision the future of their country in terms that might not privilege those of their own tribe. In contrast, today it would be difficult for a foreign national to become a full-fledged Chinese, Mexican, or Iranian citizen with full equal rights who either did uh, not look like or embrace a religion different from the majority population. That's why we're different. He says, what followed from the Declaration was a constant demand from many quarters for America to live up to its own exalted words. Eighty-five years later, that promise culminated in a horrific civil war that cost 700,000 American lives to remove the stain of slavery and to honor the promise of the fourth. All men are created equal, further entailed another century of protest and reform until the civil rights movement of the 1960s finally enshrined into law equality of opportunity statutes. But note, note what the Declaration was not. This is where the article is interesting. That's why I'm reading it. But the Declaration was not. There was no full embrace of all the latter French revolutionary slogans of liberté, égalité, fraternité, in other words, liberty, equality, uh, and fraternity. Instead, the Declaration promised that all men should start out, start out equally through guaranteed protections to, to live their lives as they please and ensure their liberty. The new government made then no claims that all Americans must be egalitarian. In other words, equity, uh, equality, egalitarian, everybody's equal. He says there was no promise that Americans must be equal in all aspects of their lives or else. Such mandated sameness might threaten the idea of liberty and the ability of each citizen to pursue one's own version of happiness. Nor did the Declaration pledge a common fraternity. Americans were under no compulsion to embrace some collective brotherhood or shared orthodox political sentiments. So Americans would not be ensured an equality of a result or what we may know now as equity. Unlike other revolutionary governments, this is why I call the War for Independence, not the Revolutionary War. Okay, the War for Independence. Now, the Revolution was the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, but that's different than the actual war. But anyway, he says, unlike other revolutionary governments, the founders of America never promised to create utopian, quote, new men who would become alike in all aspects of their being. 
the foundational date of our new order was canonized as 1776, that it was not some pretentious Jacobin year one. In other words, history began with them, as if everything in the past was to be erased. Unlike revolutionary France's 1789 Declaration of the Rights of Man, the American Declaration was far more modest in its confidence in what government could do or should achieve. Jefferson inserted no such French wording about government power concerning social distinctions or disturbing the political order or in proportion to their means. Other republics birthed parliamentary systems. They usually spawned multiple splinter parties. They were characterized by sudden creations and collapses of ruling governments, depending on volatile public mood swings. Often backroom deals were common to appoint new presidents and prime ministers, prime ministers or dismiss them. Well, it sounds like Ukraine. Instead, our Constitution, in classical fashion, established a bicameral, that's a two-house, Congress, an executive president, and a Supreme Court. Their quite different powers were all checked and balanced by one another. Well, we can argue about the Supreme Court. In fact, we do all the time. He says, then their prerogatives were further limited by a federal system of individual states' rights to form their own laws not entailed by the Constitution. Mm, states don't have rights. States have powers. I will, I will correct him there. I think that's a, that, that's a big difference. Individuals have rights. States, uh, the federal government, and the local governments have government powers. That's the difference. So the federal system says that uh, the federal government has its powers in a certain area. The states have their powers in another area. The local governments, the school boards, the city councils, and the county commissions, they all have their individual powers, but not one of them has rights. Anyway, it's just the, then he says states' rights to form their own laws not entailed by the Constitution. I would say not covered by it, but he wrote the article. He says regularly scheduled elections, a formal bill of rights, a two-party system, and a single continuous Constitution naturally flowed. Well, I would argue with the two-party system. Uh, I think uh, any, any kind of party system is alien to a representative government because the government ends up representing the parties and not the people. So I don't think we should have any parties within government. Outside of government, sure. You want a Republican Party, Democrat Party, Independent Party, Libertarian Party, Green Party? I don't care. It's free country. Do what you want. But what you can't do is control the representatives and be more important to a representative in office than the people that put them there. So I think that nobody should belong to a party in holding political office nor in running for political office. Wouldn't that be interesting? <laughs> Anyway, he says, few consensual governments have ever emulated the more difficult American model and thus so far never achieved a 247-year continuity of a single Republican system. Well, we don't have a single Republican system. There's too much democracy in it, and the government was stolen. We don't have any system right now. We have a coup. We are operating under a tyrannical coup. Let's, let's, let's start talking about that. That's one of the biggest problems. This is not talked about it. How come people can't say we're under a tyrannical coup? would be another good article for me to write. I'll put that down right now. Substack. I have many substacks to write, like about 12. Substack. Substack. Hang on. We are under a coup. Subheading? Why can't we say that? <laughs> Why can't we say that? There we go. Okay. Anyway, so he says, um, back to the next thing, he says, certainly Americans went through a variety of crises that challenged the viability of the Declaration, the Civil War, the Great Depression, two world wars, the culture war of the 1960s, and the current woke revolution of the 2020s. 
Yeah, we could argue that, but I don't have time. Terrible laws of discrimination were and still are sometimes passed contrary to both the Constitution and the Declaration. Well, I heard one place say that the Declaration was not law. No, technically it's not, because it wasn't passed. Well, it was ratified. Oh, that's a good question. Wait a minute. Uh, the resolution was passed by Congress. So actually, it is law. That uh, the thing I read in history.com yesterday was wrong. The de- Declaration is law. Because it was ratified by Congress as a resolution. Now it's not. Uh, the the clauses are only actually they're only binding on England. <laughs> hey, sorry, this is how we feel. Um, that'd be a good thing to consider. Was the declar is the declaration law? Write that down. That's a good question. Actually, I have a new section. My I have one section of my notebook left. I only started this one a few months ago. I've already filled a five subject notebook. So let's put it here. Is the Declaration of Independence? Good thing I have a gel pen I can write fast. Of independence. Independence. Law. Good question, huh? We'll take it up tomorrow. Almost done here. I'm making big marks with my red pen and blue pen so I can find it again and all the jumble of things I write. He says, but so far, the sparse wording of the Declaration has prevailed. America's Constitution was not hijacked by the likes of a French Napoleon. There has been no Nazi takeover of our democracy as in the 1930s Germany. We have not been plagued by dozens of brief ad hoc coalition governments akin to Italy's volatility. So on this 4th, let us cherish the 4th of July for what it promised and what it thankfully did not. Well, that's interesting. Um, it makes sense. You know, what did the 4th promise? What, uh, what is the Declaration of Independence? Is it law? That's, that's going to be an interesting question for me to, to look into. Is the Declaration of Independence law? On that note, I'm going to leave. Marco, take care. In the in, um, in the Netherlands today, we'll get you back tomorrow, hopefully. And let me just uh, play a couple more things for you guys. And I don't know, I'm finishing on time today. It's kind of a treat. So I want to thank Bonnie for staying longer, uh, for Bill for coming back, and for Wendy for always being there. And so uh, i got some wonderful people around me. That's what makes it all possible. Tomorrow I'll get more time off. I only have uh, CJ. CJ is well in the schedule. I don't think I – well, let me see. Do I have any else scheduled? Oh, I do have someone else scheduled. Uh, yeah, so we're going to talk. Got to contact my person for tomorrow. So actually, we do have a good show planned for tomorrow. I'll, I'll surprise you with my guest uh, once I make sure that uh, they're okay. Because we got on the calendar, but we'll see. Anyway. So the website you're listening to, blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Our legislative uh, website, writeyourlaws.com, W-R-A-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. Also our uh, substack, gregpenglis.substack.com. Uh, and our contribution site, givesendgo.com slash actionradio. My public email, greg at writeyourlaws.com. And that's it. I'll talk to you all tomorrow morning, same time, same bad time, same bad channel, or whatever. They, I mean, I can't quote that. That's copyright. Um, but, uh, yeah, 7 a.m. Central Time. Tomorrow we shall do it all again. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code, W-Y-L, to the discount code window at checkout. W-Y-L comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy, 
Radio.com. Start your engine. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend, Jason Myers, and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand Your Ground is located at 6632 Elva Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. And if you want to help us out by being a sponsor, this is how. Here at Action Radio, we are looking for sponsors. We have 30 and 60 second spots available for your announcements. And we have three-minute live call-ins to talk about your products and services available. Action Radio is the next evolution beyond talk radio. Join us and let us help your business evolve. Think about being a sponsor of the future and not just a listener and help us help your business grow as you help us plunge headlong into breaking new ground here on Action Radio every day. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.